1: the best wrestling in the whole world. Oh, shit! It's Vince Russo.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold your horses there, uh, Mr. Nerd, is it? That's it.
1: Oh, yeah, you can be king, king, king of these nets. You know <laughs>
0: Welcome everybody to You've Got To Be Kidding Me, the show where we go through TNA history one month at a time. We are talking about May 2003 in the NWA TNA. May in TNA, the rhymes. Hey, listen, yo. My name is Garrett, I'm joined as always by Liam Jones, my wonderful co-host. Liam, how you doing? Yo. Yo. Listen. I'm listening. Yo. Oh god, another yo. Yo. You having a nice day there, Liam? No. No. We are in very different weather extremes at the moment. (laughs) Everything is pain. Whereas for me, it is extremely cold, and just the very thought of me getting out of bed having to record this was deeply suffering. As you are in the other side of the world, naturally, where it is, for some reason, the summer, and very warm. It's so muggy, my skin hurts. Oh god, that's a horrible state. It's probably warmer there than it gets all year round here. It's not even that hot. It's only 21. That That's exceptionally hot for us, though. I just punched my mic in defiance of that weather. For 21, that would be like, no, no, that's uh, the warmest of warm summer days for us. I don't mind the dry heat. I can take like a, a 35 day if it's dry heat, but I just, this mugginess is the worst. It's a, it's a four degrees for me, which is a step up from the two degrees it was this morning, but not by much. Yeah, so for the next four days, it's going to be like mid-twenties and raining. Oh, the perfect weather. Who doesn't love that? It's anyone who isn't a psychopath. Poor Liam also has to turn his fan off, obviously because it would be caught <laughs> in the weather recording, so he, it, it makes him suffer even more for his art. That's how much you know he loves this podcast. I'm opening my window. I don't care if fireworks go off mid-show again. Why would fireworks go off at like 10 o'clock at night on a, what day is today? Tuesday? Because they did last time we recorded, during the watch-along. I don't think I heard them. I told you. I went, wow, fireworks are going <laughs> I thought you probably just meant TNA. <laughs> no. As in, like, the scenario that is happening here is really popping off, like fireworks. No, I mean, there's someone on my street who incessantly <laughs> lights fireworks. Steve's very inconsiderate of them. And I'm going to punch them. You should go out there and be like, yo... Listen! Listen! I do a, a problematic rap at them, where you'll get cancelled, but they'll also probably stop the fireworks while they cancel you. And then they'll be like, "Okay, it's been like three months. You can you can come back now, Liam." And we're gonna start shooting fireworks into the sky. And I'm like, "Yo, <laughs> listen!" <laughs> Ugh. So, is there anything else going on in the wonderful world of Liam? I'm playing Pokemon oh yeah i'm also playing pokemon i'm not that far in though where are you up to i'm not even to the second gym i'm in eterna uh, i to, at the start of my session today i had just finished the second gym see i haven't played it a ton i was wondering because they gave me cut and obviously they don't have hms anymore so i went to cut some trees in the forest I was like why can i use It's like oh yeah i don't have the gym badge that's still a thing i, I like that system i like not having to rely on a any Pokemon anymore. You can just make the team that you want based on the team that you want. You don't have to worry about HMs or I need a flying type because I need to use fly. I, of course, still have a Bidoof in my team because I love Bidoof. I am catching every Pokemon. But do you have a Bidoof in your current team? Uh, No. I evolved him and then I put him into the box. I'm also refusing to let my Bidoof evolve. Um, I mean, I admire the dedication. I'm considering... Like eventually, when I get the diamond version, just doing like a a no evolution run, just mm. base form Pokemon only. Yeah, just Bidoof, just the team of Bidoofs. Oh, that would be great. Mm. I have this. I have such a tryhard team. It's the most Gen Four tryhard shit you'll ever imagine. Go on. Ah, I don't want to. I'm embarrassed by it. Ugh, it's so it's so lame. It's so lame. <laughs> Infernape, ape bleh staraptor bleh Luxray, bleh. <laughs> I got a little skaroopy he's just hanging out he's just being a pal he'll be a Drapion eventually I got a rose raid rose, rose it's Roselia right now but it'll eventually be a rose raid but that is the one I'm considering that's an open spot to me if I find something more interesting I'll swap that out and finally I have a Gastrodon cause Gastrodon's so much fun gross pokemon I I'm increasingly remembering that I don't like most Gen Four Pokemon. So like most of the ones that just pop up the walls, like no, you're hideous. I like Gen Four. I like Gen Four because it was one I put the most time. Like Platinum was the game I've definitely played the most. It's your wee babbied Pokemon nostalgia game. No, that would be Emerald and Gold. You didn't play Gold. Well, gold came out when we were like one. Gold was my first Pokemon game. I played it on my Game Boy Advance. But you were like one. I was like five. All right. <laughs> cognitive enough to play the i didn't play red or blue at all my first game was gold and then yeah played gold real heavy i've and then i, I have the actual memory of the day i went to my local target to buy emerald uh, with the gba case on like a giant standee which had a big red quasar on it was it the best day of your life <laughs> yes it was a great day my parents were fighting the whole time and then um i was like i want this game and to shut me up like yes we'll give you the game nice yeah it ruled. <laughs> Uh, Pokemon. It's a whole new world we live in. It's the best. I was thinking today, like, eventually we're gonna get, like, a game where they're just like, alright, you fucks, we put every region in the game. It's a long-ass game, you can do it in this order, here. That's always been the thing I want, even if it's not every region. At least, like, two or three. Not just one. I think we're getting it eventually. Yeah. I'd even be fine if it was every region, and it was, like, this, the brilliant... Uh, Brilliant Pearl? Brilliant Diamond? Which one is it? Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl. Yeah. If it was that art style and just like six different regions, I'd be happy. I prefer a slightly more spruced up art style. I like this one. Because it looks the exact same. <laughs> it doesn't look the exact same. It does look the exact same. No, it looks like... What's that? Uh, da, 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 that Kirby game? Many of them. But they made it look like the Claymation kind of style. Canvas Curse? Is that the sure. name of that game? And cor- cor- the one on Wii U as well. Yeah, it looks like that kind of style. It looks like, like an Animal Crossing kind of style, as opposed to a... No, it looks just like the original game. That's the point. it's nothing... Lo- oh, I'm gonna fucking die. They literally <laughs> came out and it's like, we are being entirely faithful to the original art style. Yeah, sure, but it's like... Brand new lighting engine, and it's all spruced up and different. I like it. It's fun. I enjoy it. (laughs) All right. Let me like the thing. Uh, I think it's a visual step down from the Let's Go games, which I think are secretly pretty. I don't know. I like this. I like um, the the way the Pokemon look following you better in this one. But they don't follow you in this one. (laughs) You obviously haven't gotten to the next city yet, idiot. I haven't. I said I haven't. Why are you mocking me? Well, yeah, they can follow you. So, nothing else going on other than Pokemon? Nothing that I want to talk about. <laughs> Pokemon and weather. It must be stated there is something you want to talk about. We won't have an episode in two weeks because Liam is a thespian. Oh. You <laughs> can't see. Cancelled. Liam will be performing on stage over the the period in which we would usually watch these shows and record in two weeks. So we will have no regular show in two weeks. At the very least, we will put the first episode of Monday War Games in the free podcast feed. And I will try and do a second little bonus special thing, which I really should have actually started trying to do at this stage, but (laughs) haven't. But we'll try and do to have a nice little thing in the podcast feed as well on top of as i said the monday war games episode one we'll put that in the the main podcast feed for you all secretly as a treat but also to try and sell you on the patreon at tnachat.com yeah a dual purpose right there so yeah liam is performing are you excited to perform liam excited for it to be over oh if, if any of our listeners in australia can they go see you no no they can't no. tell them where to go see you I would not. Go visit Liam and see his acting performance and then put him over and be like, this is the next coming of Chris Hemsworth. If you can find me in person, I'll tell you. You're really the next Hugh Jackman right here. I wish. That dude's rich as hell. He's also very talented. I suppose. That also matters, I guess. So, two weeks, no episode. We'll be back two weeks after that, middle of December for our June 2003 episode. June, a very big month in TNA history for many reasons. One, it's the, the one-year anniversary and there's a bunch of other stuff that goes on in June that should be more interesting to talk about than this year, month of May. Oh, I, don't know. I thought this was a pretty good month. I thought this is maybe the worst month that we've watched so far. <laughs> oh, I liked it this month. because we came off like last month being like this is a good month they built up a bunch of stuff they told a bunch of good stories or like the entirety all of it of the month of May 2003 is devoted to getting over the Disco Inferno Glenn Gilberti and I simply cannot tolerate such a thing That, uh, that is a fair enough point like I'm not joking when I say every single one of these shows in the month of May the sole goal of all of them is to the get over Disco Inferno as a main event heel that you should take seriously, and it is a very upsetting thing that happened. Listen, to play Russo Advocate, <laughs> he is getting a title challenge, so like if there was ever a time to try and make him look decent, it's probably before he competes for a title, is what I would say before I remembered that they also completely buried that idea on the last show before he goes for the title. <laughs> also, Glenn Gliberti is kind of helping with the booking, so he's given himself a title challenge. <laughs> yeah, but like, you know, if there's ever a time to build him it up, it's doing it when there's a title challenge that at least makes sense. If they were just doing this on a random month. No! No! <laughs> I was like, is that a train in the background? (laughs) I'm building up to this. No. You just never give Disco Inferno a world title. Like, or if you do, it's just the challenger of the week. Well, Jeff had to go to Australia and hang out, okay? They couldn't do it next week. They could have. They could have recorded it. They could have just been like, we are going to do Disco Inferno versus Jeff Jarrett as a nice little middle of the month title match while we build to a real challenger down the line. But no, they're like, we're going to build a full (laughs) month A full, whole, entire month of TNA history around the Disco Inferno.
1: Yeah,
0: I I am, it's fine. It's good television. It's not, it's not, it's not even good television. They didn't even do a good job. It's just really bad television. It sucks. Nah, it's good television. Exciting stuff, ready to talk about it. It's just Disco acting like a badass, trying to be the coolest guy on earth. Yeah, he's, he's so cool Beating people left, though. right, and center. No, wearing look, he's a tie. so cool and he manipulates everyone now because he's so much smarter than everyone else in the promotion. It's great. All of his dumb sex pals hate him until he gives them a speech and then they kind of like him but also But That happens again. literally every month. <laughs> every month? It's nearly every week. Every week it's like, oh, everyone hates Yaki, but Glenn is talking to people the way they like it. Yeah, because he's so cool and smart and stronger than everyone else. What a horrible month. What a horrible month of the year. The worst part, actually, the the most galling bit is there was a moment on commentary during the month where Mike Tanae's like, but no, this is the new Glenn Gilberti. And it's like, not you too, Mike. <laughs> not you too. <laughs> you are not getting on board with trying to give this man credibility as well. It's, well, no. Again, no. he's probably just like, I'm trying to give Glenn Gilberti credibility heading into his NWA title match. No, he should be like he's a goon. Like, the whole thing should be he's a goon, though. The whole thing should be like him and his pals are going to steal the NWA title. It should not be like Glenn Gilberti is an honest threat to even Jeff Jarrett, never mind everyone else. It should be that Glenn Gilberti has used all of his pals to get himself a title shot, and he might use all of his pals <laughs> to get himself so the title. But he's tough and smart and strong, Jarrett. No, no, no. Uh, it's really funny that... um. As the last episode was airing and I realized that he was actually having a match with Raven and not just fighting him, I was like, oh no, are they going to have Clank Birdie beat Raven? And they did. Fair enough, it wasn't clean, but they still have beat Raven, which... Uh... Let's get into the notes and stuff so we can jump back into breaking down this story at least because we We've already, like, halfway broken down. Curse that is disco. Alright, first story of the month. Former TNN president Brian Hughes has been hired as a consultant to pursue a television deal. Hughes was introduced to the locker room by Jeff Jarrett uh, prior to the April 30th show. Uh, Oddly enough, uh, a note for PW Torch that he was apparently one of the the bigger enemies within Paul Heyman's ECW. Stumbling block for Heyman while ECW was on TNN, but nonetheless, he has been hired. I think it's his production company, which I looked up the name of because I looked him up on LinkedIn. I was like, oh, there's no mention of TNA, but there is a company he worked for based in Nashville from 2002 to 2009. That was probably the company that was hired to consult on finding a television deal. I wish it just said Nashville-based company because he didn't want to put TNA down. He is ashamed of TNA wrestling and does not want to put it on his curriculum vitae. So they're they're trying to get a heavy hitter TV executive to like... Looking for their Nick Khan. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that is it. This is their attempt at Nick Khan. Again, every company just ripping off TNA by employing a smart network man. Something no other company has ever done before, I'm sure. This is a TNA original idea. We're going to get somebody from the television industry to try and get us a television deal. Disgusting. Who would have thought of it? Only the wild minds at NWA TNA. Clearly he doesn't do a very good job because they don't get a television deal for like two years from now. Nah. You has got to get on the Fox site. Well, actually, it's only about a year from now. We're in May. We're almost there. We will get a We get a TV deal next June. We're almost out of the monthly pay-per-view era or well, another monthly, the weekly. <laughs> the monthly pay era ends in, like, 2015? It's, like, 2013 they go to quarterly, so. One day. Oh, God, I just remembered that eventually we'll have to, like, do shows that are just reviews of four weeks of TV. <laughs> oh, well, it's, it's going to be fine for the first few years, because uh, Impact is only an hour, but there's going to be eight hours of Impact, and then a three-hour pay-per-view every, every single uh, podcast episode, so you should be excited for that. No, no, I refuse. I fundamentally refuse. And that's when we're back to full Russo when it goes two hours. So it's full Russo for eight hours, and then a full Russo TNA pay per view. No, we're splitting it up. It's a, it's a it's a two weeks. It will be the four weeks of the build, and then the next two weeks will be the pay per view. I can't do that all in one in one show. Nope, it's gonna be build and pay because I was thinking about that because we we do it month by month now. Obviously, we're like we're doing all of May. Whereas uh, I figure by the time we get to the monthly pay-per-view, we will do the four weeks of TV or however many it is and the pay-per-view. So we'll do like pay-per-view build and pay-per-view so that it makes uh, a lot more cohesive sense. I don't care about cohesive sense. I care about my mental health. (laughs) Listen, TNA doesn't care about your mental health. So why should we? (laughs) They're out here giving you a whole month of disco. They don't give a shit. That was good quality television, though. Well, you'll love it when it gets to 2007, then. Oh, no. Oh, no. You defended defend it your full month of disco. I don't know, I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> Wrestlers are becoming fearful of saying anything critical of the company during public <laughs> appearances, as they believe their pushes will be scaled back if they do. Wrestlers point to AJ Styles doing a clean job to Glyn Bertie and D'Lo Brown having his push considerably scaled back when he said he would like to return to WWE someday. There was also an interview this month where Amazing Red says in the Torch Talk interview that he is not going to sign a deal with TNA because he doesn't want the WWE deal to potentially be off the table, so there's <laughs> there's a lot of TNA being done. Like the wrestlers are super dumb here. It's like, wait, we can't bury the company publicly. Yeah, it's like, but that was all I wanted to do. Yeah, that's um, it's one of those wrestler things where it's like, it's kind of stupid. Like, yeah, obviously these people should probably keep the WWE door open at this point, but also don't go on a podcast and be like, hey guys, let me tell you why the place I work for sucks. And then when they're like, hey, there's going to be some retribution for you publicly burying our company, they're like, what? And then they're like, offended, like, how dare they? Yeah, there's a bunch of stories over the month. It's like, the wrestlers do feel like the company is returning their commitment to, the, to, to them while they are out here burying the company in every public media interview they can get. But also, the company stinks, so, yeah. Yeah, but it is the problem. It's like, they're right. Every one of their criticisms is correct. But nonetheless, here we are. Mm. Like, it is stupid that Ron Killings has been downcycled. Uh, there's even a fun story this month where it's like, Ron Killings apologized for saying bad things in, in an interview and then went on another interview and gave out about how he was being booked. <laughs> <sighs> the circle of life. And to be fair, nobody has been, like, more badly booked over, probably, like, the course of 2003 so far than Ron Killings. So he deserves it. Mm. I'm trying to think of anyone else, but it's it's very clearly just him you yeah, push glenn but ron nah he can barely get on television for the month yeah but glenn's good so i do not like your rebrand as a disco inferno defender i'm just really i'm really angling i'm angling for that time that russo and disco finally find out about this podcast and they will listen and be like that carrot guy doesn't know what he's talking about but ha, <laughs> <laughs> that guy <laughs> i get the very first time Disco Inferno appeared on this podcast, when he was doing the first episode of Jive Talking, you stipulated to me that you, would, you hate him so much that you would like the right to skip any Disco segment, and you maybe that's what you've done. Maybe you've been like, oh, it's great, because <laughs> I haven't watched it. No, that was uh, an old character. That was Disco. This is Glenn Gilberti. Glenn Gilberti, much better. He was Glenn then, too. He could never use Disco. WB owned it. Yeah, but he was doing the Disco shtick. He's a different guy here. He's Little Ric Flair now. And I appreciate it. It's disgusting. And I'm very upset that actual Little Ric Flair, David Flair, is gone so he can do this trick. <laughs> uh, the lawsuit filed against TNA by Phase 3 out of Atlanta, who designed their original logo, has been settled out of court. They were seeking 56000 in unpaid compensation, but they, they settled, but the financial terms were not disclosed. I hope it was like 50 bucks in free tickets. They apparently scared TNA by naming DirecTV and Demand Cablevision and all the um, pay-per-view providers as defendants because they used the logo on their air. So they're like, hey, where's our money? And they're like, here, have some money. Please stop yelling at us. Yeah, so they're settled. So I assume that's the reason, like, to this day, occasionally uh, Impact will use the original TNA logo and some kind of marketing. The wrestlers shared their concern over the direction of the company while sitting backstage during the May 14th show. This is the first time, this is a quote from a wrestler to the PW Torch, I heard people complaining about the storylines and direction of the company. Nobody complains to management because everyone needs work. The main complaint of the wrestlers was that Jeff Jarrett and Vince Russo have developed favourites. Again, a quote. They play favourites by taking care of their friends, the second wrestler added. While those in Vince Russo's clique, Raven, Glingle, Birdie, Mike Sanders and Eric Watts, my four favourites, <laughs> Wrestlers say Jeff Jarrett favourites include Sonny Siaki, AJ Styles, David Young, America's Most Wanted, Jerry Lynn, Trinity, and The Amazing Red. I like that they're like, and Jeff Jarrett's favourites are all the good people on the show. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, And all the Vince Russo favourites are all the terrible bad wrestlers who just get tons of television time because their pals were Riz Russo. What? what? I feel like you're mixing some names up because Mike Sanders, Eric Watts, and Raven were there, but sure. It's actually fun. It's like Mike Sanders is like public enemy number one. Still, they hate Mike Sanders guts in this locker room. He's so lucky that he is like Vince's pal. <laughs> so the Vince Russo's pals have been dubbed the Atlanta Click with a Q, of course. Hell yes wrestlers feel like gilberti is being pushed too hard and feel the majority feel sanders talent doesn't justify even a spot in the roster never mind the television time he gets all right whoa 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 did they not see his great four-star never open weight title match with aj styles yeah if we were going to give someone the mega push it should have been sanders it shouldn't have been gilberti
1: mm.
0: <laughs> but like seriously putting him back in his old gimmick what are you doing with this look it's so bad yeah this is i think this might be the last we see of mike sanders does he go... On? No, he won his um, Hard 10 match, so I think he has one more match in June, but I think June is the last so we see Mike Sanders. What? Yeah, so there's not much of Mike Sanders. Uh, clearly, the political, he caught up to him. I just... I read down to the more of these quotes. <laughs> oh, yeah, they, they hate him. They're very mean to Mike Sanders. They, like, couldn't draw shit, doesn't belong on television, can't even go on television without wearing a shirt. He's terrible. <laughs> Jesus. I miss the day when, like, this is the dirt sheets. It's just people burying other people. I want, like, someone to talk to Dave and it's like... People within the company say that Joey Janila is a real piece of shit. <laughs> and it's like, it's not even like, you know, oh, we don't like it. It's a full on unattributed quote. Like, this could be Shark Boy for all we know. Who's <laughs> so just out here? Oh, this Mike Sanders guy, what a load of shit. Yeah, I like the idea. It's um, the Crimson Dragon. He's just talking magic. He's like, yo, look at this guy. He's just hanging out backstage and burying everything he sees. I don't know. But, like, and also some of them are like, oh, they're using them to get, like, their friends, like, Julio De Niro, Perry Satin, and Eric Watts jobs. And I'm like, well, good, because they're all great. I wouldn't say all of them, but some of them are. All right, Julio's a bit of a stretch, I get it. <laughs> How dare you? Have you. Did you not see the Eric Watts story this month? It's fantastic. It's a, that's a word for it. Glenn Gilberti came out of the recent power struggle between Jarrett and Russo with more power. Gilberti has been telling friends that he is helping write the shows, although he's telling others in the locker room that he's not even sure why he was pushed so hard. Well, yeah, it's a fucking lie. <laughs> he's, he's lying. He's like, oh, man, I don't know what they're doing. Actually, they're just, uh, just pushing me so hard. I've got no idea. There's another story that I didn't include in the notes that, that, says, that says, like, Glenn Gilberti is trying too hard to get people to like him. And it's like, well, this is it. I think this is an illustration of that trying too hard to get people to like him. I like you, Glenn. You shouldn't. Yeah, well, I don't, don't like the things that you've said in recent years. You are fully signing off on everything Glenn Gilberti has ever done. Well, fine. Just like you fully signed off on everything the Harris brothers have ever done. There's no proof of such behavior. Hmm. But yeah, Glenn Gilberti would be like, I'm as shocked as you guys that I'm getting this big main event push where I'm beating all the guys that are actual stars on this show. And then he goes back to the the, uh, the whiteboard where it announces the winnings of the matches, and he goes, "Gilberti defeat Raven <laughs> 10. <laughs> Observers say Jerry Jarrett's main role in the company appears to be offering his opinions on the shows while sitting at the gorilla position with Jeff. About every ten to fifteen minutes, another quote: "Jerry will shoot Jeff, and I told you so." Look, if he doesn't like something, Jeff, take it on board, man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how Jeff just likes this. I don't. I never got the impression that this is the kind of like wrestling Jeff likes. You know. And especially given, we'll talk about this when we get into the shows, this is, again, another month where Jeff Jarrett is fending off political efforts to oust him from Vince Russo and pals, while his dad is just sitting there being like, what on earth are you doing? Jeff, like, I, I don't get how he hasn't, like, kicked them all to the curb at this point. Mm. No, he's giving him more power and the biggest push of their careers. Is Jeff, like, just dumb? Like, is O3 is Jeff just a, a stupid dude? Like, why are you letting this happen? I, I guess it's probably because there is a legitimate power struggle here, and while Jarrett is in control at the moment and has like his hands on the wheel, like these people are constantly in the ear of Dixie Carter, being like, "This Jeff guy, he doesn't know what he's doing." So maybe he's trying to like satiate them by being like, "All you right, I'll give you like power. You write the shows. You can book your Glen superpower angle for the entire month, God. and, and uh-huh. hopefully that will make them stop trying to get them to oust me." And it's not. So he's just being like a, a real coward then instead. Yeah, but every month there's the stories about how there's political infighting and they're trying to sabotage each other and they're all fighting. And then meanwhile, he's just like, fine, you book your month built around Glenn Gulberti. Sorry, I, just, I kept reading and I learned that there was plans for a heel kangaroo mascot. Jamie Dundee was arrested on criminal impersonation charges recently, although Dundee was never on the TNA payroll. He worked syndicated matches and had been penciled in to play the role, the the part of a heel kangaroo mascot for the promotion, which is not the last we will hear of the kangaroo mascot. (laughs) No. (laughs) The kangaroo mascot does in fact become a thing. Very, very briefly. What? What? DNA has a kangaroo mascot. We're not going to talk about it until like May 2007, so this is a very long tease. But the mascot does happen. The, the mascot does what? come true, and what? it is a kangaroo.
1: What?
0: <laughs> it also has a horrifically, stereotypically racist Australian thief song. <laughs> what? With like didgeridoos and. <laughs>
1: what is happening?
0: But we will not cover that until I think, like, May 2007. This must be too hot in here. I'm, I think I'm hallucinating what you're saying to me. <laughs> to be fair, I don't think the kangaroo is a heel. And if it was going to be a heel, it, it didn't last long enough to turn heel. But the, the kangaroo does show up. And we can be very excited for that when we get to it I in I love a how years. weirdly Australian-themed everything is still. Like every show will start, Mike and I will be like, "And thanks to our friends in Australia." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, thanks, Mike." Yeah, because based on this uh, next news note, actually, no, it's the one after have, We'll straight oh, skip to it. Jeff Dart beats Sting to win the NWA WWA title unification match in the main event of WA, the Reckoning pay per view. that was in New Zealand on May 25th. Boo. You and your horrible tribal hatred of New Zealand. Sorry, someone ran in and booed New Zealand. Sorry, they were actually they were booing Auckland specifically toxic Australia fans out here. Yeah. Get out of here. But yes, Jeff Derrick went down under. There was a whole video package about him visiting Australia with Jerry Borash and uh, meeting the media in Australia on one of these shows, so... No, meeting a media. That's true. One singular person. <laughs> Not even a crew. One person. <laughs> she probably just had a blog. It's just like, yeah, this is the best we can do. If Jerry Never comes back again, I'll interview him. and It'll be the exact same thing. <laughs> it's just be on this show, yeah. That WWE NWA title match. So that this is uh, uh, the, the world title is even stronger now, Liam. It has been unified. Wow, mm. the history, the prestige, the glory. <laughs> that did mean that a bunch of uh, people missed some of the shows this month because obviously they were in Australia. And New- New I was Zealand. wondering why Chris Saban won a belt and then disappeared. Yeah, because he was on the show. He wrestled Jerry Lynn on that same show in a match that tore the house down. Apparently. Which is the reason that a bunch of people uh, came back. Because you had Paul London, you had the SAT, you had CM Punk returned this CM month. CM Punk. So a bunch of those people came, basically because, you know, a bunch of their regulars went down to Australia, so they needed to fill in those gaps with some people that people knew. And it was good. It's better than nothing, I suppose. There was some talk of adding a hardcore title belt, but that quickly died. Boo. It should have been... The, her Won the hard ten, should have had to defend the hard ten like the dub cup. It's basically the dub cup, but it with is. less dub. It's a scaled back version of the dub cup. We'll talk about the hard ten in a minute. And the office threw a going away party for Mortimer Plumtree on May 28th, despite not appearing on air as a character very often, Plumtree had spent most of the past 12 months working in the TNA office. He decided to move back home to Minnesota rather than relocate his family to Nashville, in part because his wife had a good job, and he probably didn't believe TNA would be there for the long haul. Well, what I have to say is what a coward. There was a nice, if you notice at the very end of the last show of the month, they flash on screen a nice little thanks Morty message. So that's that's nice. Where's their thanks Rick message? For for who? For Rick and Morty. Do the impression! (laughs) Oh, jeez, Rick. Why are you making bad Rick and Morty jokes? This is why we're here. This is why the people come for the show. I don't know, Morty. Because I don't have any new ideas. Quick, now do a Raven promo as Rick. The road. I don't know where the road goes. The road road goes places where we don't understand, Rick. I am Rick. (laughs) Why am I I saying saying, my own name? You're You're Rick talking to Rick. It's the the convention the the, the the Yeah, Rick's talking to Rick's Is within the Rick and Morty lore so far, so far as I'm aware There have been many Rick clones They're not clones They're parallel Ricks <laughs> There's probably Rick clones too It's Rick and Morty Yeah, there is You're right That's the good thing about Rick and Morty You can basically never be wrong Because they do every mm. trope under the sun And then point at the trope And go, ha, ah, look We're doing the trope <laughs> While they're doing it it's the entire basis of the show It's like Family Guy But for sci-fi nerds But yeah, good. farewell Mortimer Plumtree we Thanks, barely Morty. knew the manager of AJ Styles and the Johnsons. <laughs> and A. Steel. And A. Steele, indeed. His original X Division client that he quickly abandoned when he got AJ. Can't blame him. Spanish broadcasts of TNA are scheduled to start in June 18th for the anniversary show. Play-by-play announcer Armando Quintero is trying to use his connections to get TNA Explosion aired on the Telemundo Network. Cool. I believe they also plan for Conan to be doing the Spanish announcing while he's not wrestling. Makes sense. He should do it while the wrestling matches. Yeah, the, the Booker T style. Yeah, it's also quite upsetting that they didn't have Joel and Jose Maximo do the Spanish <laughs> announcing. They make them the Spanish announced team. They are the Spanish announced team. Why have they not been the Spanish announced team? Well, they were the Spanish announced teams this month, mm. as they were billed as the SATs. Yeah, because there's two of them. Oh, so each of them is the Spanish announced team, and together they are the, the Spanish announced teams. Yeah, they're very flexible. Wow they are Observer say that the live crowd attendance has dropped week by week ever since Jarrett Raven so to build this, this Glen Birdie match they can't even literally give away tickets these fans they just they can't see wonderful pro wrestling when it's right in front of their eyes I remind you that they paper tickets like all over the state of Tennessee to try and get people in the door and there's shows this month that only have 800 and 850 fans despite how much Ooh, they just so give rough. away tickets that's so rough <laughs> Like, they, they're they pushing Glen Gilberti this hard, and they cannot even get people to go see it for free. Oh, I love that they can see this stuff and just not divert course. It's very good. It makes perfect sense. It's good stuff. Good company. <laughs> I, I, I never get that, how you can't see something go so poorly and be like, All right, we should probably change stuff. Nope, they're going to commit to a full month's build to Glenn Gilberti. I think you're putting too much blame on the Glenn Gilberti push. He is literally all over all of these shows. Listen, you don't know. Yo. It might be the Kid Cash storyline doing this. No. Oh, yeah, the Trinity fans are all like, we're disgusted, we're not coming back. Yeah. You know what else this could be, Garrett? You know what else happened? Chris Saber won the X Division title, and attendance started plummeting, so... Actually, the week after, attendance went way up, but then Chris Sabin wasn't on the show, so attendance went way down. So I think attendance proves that people were like, Whoa, Chris Sabin's X Division champion? Let's go to the show next week. Then they went to the show, and Chris Sabin wasn't there, and they were furious. So they were like, We're never coming back to this company. You teased us with Chris Sabin, the greatest wrestler in the history of existence. So the following attendance is way down again, even though Chris Sabin is back, because you bait and switch them on the Chris Sabin. Ah. The numbers don't lie, Liam. That's fun. they spell disaster for Glenn Gliberti. Well, that's fair. That is fair and true. There is a lot of interest in bringing Shane Douglas in as an NWA title contender and a mouthpiece for the Extreme Group. They wanted to start in the last show of the month, but he is currently injured, so not available. If only he could talk with an arm injury or something. Yeah, they could have just brought him in as the mouthpiece. If you remember, there was the fun story at the start of TNA where they're like, Shane Douglas won't come in because they're working with Francine. Ah, yes. But Francine is no longer there, so I assume Shane Douglas no longer has those objections. He's like, please pay me. They're going to have a new segment on the show called TNA Talk, which Mike and did tease at one stage, I think, the last show of the month. Which, according to PW Torch, will supposedly feature real pro wrestling news. Wow. They're like, alright, so Wrestle Kingdom just happened, we're going to talk about Tanahashi. Well, Tanahashi would have been but a wee lad here in 2003. I know, I was doing a vague reference. Sorry, we're talking about Hiroshi Hase. There you go. I was going to say, I'm upset that you didn't know what main event at the 2003 January 4th Dome Show. Fake New Japan fan right here. 2004, obviously, headlined by Nakamura Takeyama. Ah, yes. Dream match. The next year, headlined by Tanahashi, so fuck you. Yeah, that's two years away. That's two years away. But of course, 2003 headlined by Nagata and Josh Barnett. Ah uh, yes, the the New Japan on Access dream match. That was after the match. Yeah, everyone watching New Japan on Access was like, "Oh, this Josh Barnett guy, calling these Yuji Nagata matches. What if they faced off?" Then you're like, "Do I have the match for you boys?" And they're like, "Wow, it's not great." Oh wow, way to bury an okay-ism. Oh no. I'm the first person in the world to ever say a bad word about it, I'm sure. How many Enochius, like and fans are listening to the TNA <laughs> retrospective podcast? I think once they heard Takawa Mori appeared on one of the early days of TNA, they were like, yo, what if some random enokiism people show up here in the NWA TNA? I've got to listen to every episode to find out. I thought you were just insinuating because it was a Japanese guy that they were like, "Ah, oh, inoki No, they're like, we have this random, obscure Japanese wrestler show up, so what if the other random, obscure Japanese wrestlers that whoa, I whoa, like show up? What do you mean, up? obscure? The average human being does not know who Takawamori Mori is. How dare you disrespect Get Wild. <laughs> the new Wild Order. Yeah, the fact is I don't even know what that is probably proves the point. Wrestle 1 stable. <laughs> mm. And you're just making things up. <laughs> Possibly. Lying to us. So that that's the, the news notes for the week. There's some more stuff as we get through these shows, of course, uh, including some more Jeff Jarrett and so infighting. Fun stuff. We'll talk about that when we get to the shows in question. So that brings us to broad topics, which we've already discussed the first one a little. They were like, all right, Jarrett and Raven, big match. Did so well. Mm. Sold out the asylum. Turned away 1,100 people. Did our best pay-per-view number in ages. What's the next match we build to? So like, we got D'Lo Brown? Nah, no. We got AJ Styles? No chance. Couldn't possibly do it. Ron Killings? <sighs> Let's not even put him on the shows. He's been whining. Why would we even think about it? Sabu or maybe Perry Saturn or one of the other extreme guys? Dorks. <laughs> Big Mike Awesome push? No way. No. They're like, we got we got two options here. All right. It's either Eric Watts, oh. or it's Glenn Gilberti. Would you like to hear me say something I wouldn't have thought I would have said, Liam? Oh, please, rain it down. I would have preferred them to commit the month to Watts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because at the very least, that's where they were going. That's a story they were telling, and it would have made more sense than them just pivoting to Disco being the biggest badass in the history of wrestling. And that's because Eric Watts is great. Sure. Geez. Wow. So good. Uh, I can't believe you've turned around. So, I mean, I'm just glad you're on the right side of history now. I am simply stating the fact that Eric Watts is less bad than Glenn Gilberti. Hey, we're moving in an upwards trajectory, and I'll take that. I assume you're very upset about the degree to which Watts has been sidelined this month. Nah, he's fucking, he's alright. Okay, we'll get to Watts in a minute. So, Disco starts the month being like, I'm the cool guy, sex is all about me now. He had a cool uh, suit on. He's, he's a cool guy now. No, he doesn't have the suit on for the next show. This is, this. is I'm just saying first in general, he's a cool suit wearing cigar smoking guy now. It's not even a suit either, he's wearing a shirt and tied pants, he doesn't have a jacket. I thought he had the jacket, didn't he? When he came out of the limo at the start of the second episode. But he took it off pretty quick. When he was in the locker room, he only had the shirt and tie. He still had it. He owned it. It cost him $2,500. $3,500, I'll have you know, and he was saying that's not the $3,500 suit. Yeah, I was saying, that's why he was wearing the $2,500 suit, because the $3,500 suit isn't worth going to Nashville for. But $2,500 is still an expensive suit. That's the (laughs) point. Guess, Garrett. That's the point. (laughs) But you don't... Is that he's saying, I still buy expensive suits because I'm cool, but I'm not going to give him the real expensive one. Why not wear the cheap suits? Because <sighs> then... I'd, well, I can't believe I have to explain this to you. <laughs> but it's not an expensive suit. It's pretty, pretty expensive. <laughs> Let's convert from 03 to 2021. But no, you look at that suit. That's not a 25. If he paid $2,500 for Are saying the suit... heel is lying?! This it wouldn't be the first time he's been tricked into overpaying for things that are probably fake. We'll talk about that when he get into this interview later. Oh, no. So, first show of the month, Gilbert, he's in the locker room with sex. They have the Asyl- uh, uh, anarchy in the Asylum. God, there's so many asylum named things. There's Armed Asylum, Anarchy in the Asylum, Asylum Alliance. One more, I've forgotten. There's so many freaking asylum named things now that it's hard to keep track. It's of. been the last two months. I've just they've fallen in love with it, and I just want to clarify that uh, with conversion, that actually is a thirty-five hundred dollar suit. <laughs> So disco's lying to us based on inflation. Yeah. So the first show of the month is headlined by Anarchy in the Asylum, which is a gauntlet for the number one contendership where was it fifteen or sixteen people entered? And the winner, the number one contender for the NWA World Championship, gifted Glenn Gilberti. Awesome. He beat a lot of people. The the big surprises were Rick Steiner and Buff Bagwell were those the, the big surprises in that match. Big, big surprises. I mean, Rick Steiner was great, so I can't be angry at that. Oh, there's a fun note about Rick Steiner. Yes. <laughs> there was a lot of locker room and office he directed at Rick Steiner following his appearance in the Gulf for the Golden May 7th. Wrestlers felt that Steiner was out for himself and that he didn't bump for anybody other than Perry Saturn and didn't care and take care of his opponents while suplexing them. Yeah, he was fantastic. Brian Lawler was also upset that Steiner potatoed him during the match. Maybe should have kicked him in the dick in the match, then. That would have worked, because this match did, in fact, involve Brian Lawler hitting D'Lo Brown in the penis at least ten times. And he spread the love a little bit. He hit a couple other people as well. It was mostly D'Lo. Yes. There's actually a moment where he hit D'Lo in the dick so many times... That he hits D'Lo in the dick and Dilo just starts corpsing. He starts laughing that he's done it again. It's very funny. Watch him in the corner. It's like halfway through the match. He hits D'Lo in the balls and Dilo just starts laughing. Dilo's like it. <laughs> again? <laughs> <laughs> Be fair, we were watching it and laughing and going again. It is all Lawler. This is Lawler's last match at TNA, by the way. He went out in a high, a final hurrah for Brian Lawler. He's just hitting everybody in the balls. This is the end of Brian Lawler's meme run. This is this is how you want to go out, though, isn't it? It is. This is the the way. But yeah, everyone's upset that Rick Steiner is Rick Steiner. Yeah, how about you guys stop being such loser nerds, okay? How about you go try and give him a cool suplex? Yeah, how about you shoot throw him? <laughs> Again, the random things being reported on TNA's website, Jeremy Boras said in his blog, word has it Steiner has lots of care for the throw, but little care for the landing, if you know what I mean. Ooh. (laughs) Ooh, JB. <laughs> He's telling us all the inside backstage dealings. But the people in this match were Brian Lawler, Dealer Brown, Sonny Siaki, James Storm, David Young, Kit Cash, Rick Steiner, Mike Awesome, Justin Credible, uh, Lollipop, who attacked Tracy, who Tracy was in the match, Harry Saturn. <laughs> Lollipop wasn't in the gauntlet, I just want to clarify. No, but Tracy was. Yes. <laughs> like, she didn't beat her up and take her place in the gauntlet. She should have, and then Lollipop should have won the match, and they should have built the month around Lollipop. Probably would have drawn better. Uh, Conan, Disco, Buff, AJ, Sanders, Sabu, and that was it. The most interesting part of this match was this match was over the top rope and you're eliminated, or you could brawl out to the floor and be pinned down to false count anywhere. But multiple times, Sabu did big dives to the floor where he jumped over the top rope and eliminated himself, except he didn't. Yeah. They're like, no, it doesn't count. He's not eliminated. He gets back in the ring. And like JB at one stage says like Sabu is el- has been eliminated. And Sabu gives him like a death stare. And they're like, well, oh no, he's not. Yeah, I believe the justification was that it needs to be done with a maneuver <laughs> over the top row. But even then, even after Sabu, he did a big dive to the floor to take a bunch of people out. He then does a second big dive to the floor to take people yeah, out. He just kept doing it. He didn't care. Sabu's the best. He kept eliminating himself from this gauntlet match. Just the best. Yeah, it came down to Disco and Sabu. Disco eliminates Sabu. Disco becomes number one contender. (laughs) Yes. And we were all very aesthetic about it. Yeah, this is the show we did the watch-along for. uh, Pay-per-view number 434, May 7th, com, where you can hear that watch-along right now. And here are sheer delight at Disco becoming number one contender. And the dread in my voice as I realized that's what happened. And then you were like, oh, no. And I, I broke the news to you then that they do, in fact, build the entire month, Liam. They don't just do it the next week. An entire month of disco. Little did I know it was a fantastic month of great storyline, so. Like, we don't even get to pay this off, Liam, because the Jarrett disco match doesn't happen until June. Yeah, we have to talk about it more. <laughs> we have to talk about this disco mega push again in the next episode. This gets two episodes. There was actually rumblings during this month that they were going to hold off the Jarrett Disco match for the one-year anniversary show. All the way to June 18th. I assumed that was going to be Raven. (laughs) Actually, the the Disco and Raven match at the end of the month was meant to be Jarrett and Raven in the rematch, but there's a, a whole cascading series of things that led that not to happen, which we'll talk about in a minute. I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Raven's backstage dealings have become some of my favorite so far. The, the entirety of TNA now is just Jarrett and Raven butting heads backstage as Russo is, like, the puppet master. Russo just, like, pushing him against each other. Indeed. So that brings us to the next show where Glenn Glaberti has taken over. They open with a full, like, raw <laughs> segment where all of sex comes out and they're like, whoa, we're cool guys, I'm in a suit. A cameraman, you follow me because I'm going to do cool stuff tonight. <laughs> He's so cool. No, he's not. He's such a cool and cool, strong, smart guy. This is literally a raw opening segment. <laughs> it, no, it's a raw opening segment in the shittiest backdrop ever. Yeah. If they were just in the worst arena of all time. They're in a shitty small arena doing their promo that nobody cares about, talking about their feud that nobody cares about. This show has the same energy as like a backyard show. Mm. in that it's like it's the bookers mates so they all get to do whatever they want <laughs> and they all get to put themselves over even though none of them are really great <laughs> in the defense of most backyard shows they usually feature wrestlers better than Glingle <laughs> <laughs> oh boy so yeah, the the big issue here is that sex are, are feuding, they're beefing with the Extreme Revolution, which is the same group of people that were in Team Extreme, but they've renamed them Extreme Revolution, probably because WWE are like, hey, wait a minute, we own Team Extreme. Yeah, we have a... We, remember the Hardys? We gave them that name. We fired Jeff, but still, it's ours. We still own the trademark. So there's a lot of tension between Team Extreme and Gilberti. We'll talk about that. There's a lot of gang warfare this month. There is a lot. So, Gilberti is uh, recruiting new people. Well, God, there's so much stuff. It's not so much recruiting. It's more of like an open invitation. Well, there's the moment where Kid Cash goes into the sex locker room as a peace offering and offers the services of Trinity. Yeah, he's like, here, go ahead. You can have this woman who I own. And all of them are like... (laughs) (laughs) Just like cartoonishly evil. But then later in the show, Liam, Glenn sits down with Trinity and is like, you know what? We well, we value you here. We really want you here for you, not to, to Kit Kat giving you to us in a way that's very uncomfortable. Is it wrong that I legitimately like that segment? <laughs> yes. <laughs> because he's just a giant manipulative piece of shit. This was the only week where I was like, oh man, I, is he? is this actually going to be good? Because <laughs> like, he was manipulating Trinity here, and he did the same exact thing to the Gathering as well, mm. and it worked. He just convinced them. It's just like Raven's been real bad, he where is he? Where is Raven? He's not here, but we're here. We're your friends. They're like, damn. Maybe Glenn's right, and I was like, holy shit. He he's like as much of a a brainwasher as Raven. <laughs> Clearly, he's, a, he's a, as good a politician as the, the evil cult leader who. Has a long track record of convincing people to do his bidding. It's awesome. I, I, yeah, I liked it. I liked it. Like the way he he talked to Trinity about it too. He's like, oh, I mean, of course, like she would like briefly consider it. Look what she's dealing with—the worst person ever to exist on a wrestling show. I'll mm, we'll talk about Kickass and Trinity in a little bit when we get to the X Division, I guess. Sure. This one's going to be all over the place, because this was, this may have been the most disjointed month so far. When I was doing, like, broad topics, there's, like, there's Gilberti, and then there's, like, there's the tournaments, and then everything else just splinters in, like, 700 different directions. But it's all, like, related. It's all, like, tied into the gang warfare. Yeah, that's the one thing, the one big note I had from all of these shows was how disjointed everything felt this month. So on that show, on the second show of the month, May 14th, there's an interview with Jeff Jarrett, where he's sitting in his house and he's talking about disco and all the stuff. We had two shoot interviews this month. Yeah, (laughs) and there's a line where he's like, you know what, once Steve Austin was Stunning Steve, once The Undertaker was Mean Mark Callis. Who's to say... That the Disco Inferno can't have a similar rebrand. Everyone. <laughs> literally everyone. Oh, Jeff. Maybe, yeah, maybe Jeff just is bad. <laughs> no one in the world has ever looked at the Disco Inferno and been like, oh, you know, if they gave him a real character, that guy could be something. Whereas literally everybody in the world looked at Steve Austin and was like, oh, you know, if they gave that guy a different character, he could really be someone. Oh, boy. And everyone was like, oh, this Undertaker guy is real tall. Why don't we do something with him? Like, he, he buys into it. Like, because you could just imagine that's, like, Jeff's actual feelings, you know? Mm. That's the problem. And again, today is, this is the show where today is like, well, you, you know what, this could be a change, Glengal Birdie. He's a whole new wrestler. He's a real, like, like, we've seen him be a badass. It's like, Mike, you're supposed to be the voice of reason here. <laughs> yeah, but, like, he would look like an idiot if on the show he was like, saying how this is all stupid because the show was taking it seriously like i get what you mean but him being like oh you know this this guy's a joke he's never he doesn't have a chance blah blah blah." that doesn't make any sense when on the show he's beating everyone's ass and winning matches and being the smartest coolest toughest guy in the company but like even he won the gauntlet only after the harris bros did a bunch of interference for him yeah but then he spent the next month beating everyone up but no, yeah, on a, like a 10-on-1 disadvantage. Like, this show ends with Triple X defeats Styles and Delo to retain the tag titles. And then all the sex people flood out and they beat up Styles and D'Lo, they beat up all the people backstage and they take over. It's a big sex takeover. And it's like, again, they're just beating people up 10-on-1. Like, Gilberti does beat Raven, but only after Vince Russo takes him out with a baseball bat. I also love that in that match, <laughs> there was a point where it's like, they're like, oh, Glen needs to get back to the brawling, the thing that it's, that's really brought him up this month. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, compared to Raven. Famously bad at brawling. I was like, what are you talking about? So, like, they're doing this thing where they're telling us this this guy is this badass, but, like, he's still a worm, which is the reason that would be such a better story if they're, like, he has these ten goofs behind him that he is convinced to do his bidding, and he could steal the title. Ah, oh, so you're advocating for a Glen title run? No, he should be a goof who Jared overcomes. Wow, you've heard it here first, guys. Garrett wants Gilberty to win the title next month. Yeah. So, NWA Paper number 46, May 21. Gilberty's not there, but we do have a sit down interview with Glenn. That's, you've, you're so desperate to talk about this. So, Glenn spends this sit down interview wearing a Manchester United jersey, Liam. Which, man, you. My very favourite part of. Is it's a fake Man United jersey? Yes. It's not a real United jersey. The man has been swindled by some huckster into probably paying full price for this very fake Manchester United jersey. How can you tell? That has never been a a design of a Manchester United jersey. Maybe he just had a custom one made. Oh yeah, of course. He's such a big fan that he needed his custom Man United jersey. Don't gatekeep Glenn Gilberty. I will gatekeep Glenn Gilberti because he's been conned. He's been deceived by somebody. Do you want to talk about the content of the interview or you just want to really nail in on the... No, we're going to talk entirely about Manchester United fan Glengalbury and its fake shirt. He probably got it in like the Canaries because famously, if you go to Spain, you'll see a bunch of like fake jerseys like just lining the streets for for much less than the regular retail price. And people would come home for the holidays being like, I got a Barcelona jersey. And you see it's like the fake Barcelona jersey. It's like, oh, good for you. Well done. So Glenn, Glenn is one of those people. He clearly went on holiday to Spain and is like, oh, jeez, look at this Manchester United. And it's all, it's a it's a third of the actual price of a Manchester United jersey? I've got this as a deal. This is a steal. It's a bargain. I went, not me, literally, like this fictional p- person. It's like, <laughs> oh, man, I went to Insert Place here and came back with this Rolex. Could you believe I got it for a quarter of the price? <laughs> it's definitely real. It's a real Rolex. <sighs> uh Actually, United are short of a manager these days. They sacked Ole Gunnar Solskjaer this week. So, uh, one thing I will give Disco Inferno, his managerial skills for sex, very good. He's increased membership. Mm -hmm. He's brought titles. He has improved morale compared to Sonny Siaki. Sonny Siaki, they treat like a nerd. Yeah, if there's one thing you can talk about, his leadership abilities. I just want to mention that I didn't notice how terrible his facial hair was in this interview until I'm looking at a photo of it. Yeah, because it weirdly amplifies his butt chin, but also looks horrific. It also doesn't connect. Because, like, he literally, he shaved his neck, and he shaved, like, his cheeks. His cheek? You you just have, like, a line of stubble going across his jawline. Like, he has, like, the hair sideburn bit, but not the beard sideburn bit that, like, matches it. Mm. It's so odd. It's a very strange combination here, and his weird butt chin is thoroughly amplified by it. <laughs> it's, like, shiny. Look at his shiny butt chin. I want to, like, spank it. If you go to com, you will see that there is the, the, the photo of the Glengal Birdie in the Manchester United Jersey in our show notes, uh, which you can get for one buck a month. It's also on my Twitter. I, we have a flooding in of $1 patrons. All the $1 patrons to see the Glengal Birdie butch in Manchester United Jersey photo. <laughs> but, yeah. The content of the interview, now that we're done with him and his him being swindled by some dude in Spain. He basically said that, like Jeff Jarrett's out of touch. It was mostly about how Jeff Jarrett was old and should not be world champion. Jeff Jarrett doesn't know <laughs> what the kids want. I like that. Like he's like, oh, the kids, what they want is this sports entertainment. And Jarrett is a forty-two-year-old father of three, or whatever he said. He won't, he won't understand. I thought these he was things. talking about Jerry <laughs> the whole time. I guess it would make sense. I don't know. I, I was like, I was like, he can't be talking about Jeff. <laughs> I don't even think Jeff was that old at this stage. No. the a clear burial of poor Jeff Jarrett. It's his uh, grandmother hair that he's been wearing for the last three months. Oh yeah, he's straight out of Coronation Street. The man like walked out of EastEnders to Coronation Street, then took a trip to Emmerdale, then went down to Holby City, travelled to Australia, went through Neighbours, went through Home and Away, hit up Shortland Street, and then travelled here to the NWATNA with his soap opera hair. Yeah. And what a fantastic look he's brought. To the table there. Has he? No. Okay. <laughs> Just like this Glengalberti Manchester United jersey. A right proper scouser. Which brings us to the last show of the month in which Glengalberti gets Jeff Jarrett suspended for attacking Raven the week before. Yeah, which is funny because I, there must have been some sort of miscommunication here because immediately after that segment they cut to the back and he's like, ha ha, I got Raven suspended, guys. Yeah, he, he fucked up his line and then Mike Dene had to cover for him. I was like, what's happening? I was so confused. Because the May 21st show opens with Raven cutting a promo on Jeff Jarrett, featuring your favorite line in TNA history, I believe. Oh, I don't have it in front of me. Yes, Raven, while cutting a promo on Jeff Jarrett, said the words, No one jerks off at Nashville without Jeff Jarrett owning a part of his fist. It's so good, though, isn't it? And then Jeff Jarrett sneaks up behind him, because Raven is cutting this promo sitting on top of a television production truck. Yeah, outside, which is a point of contention that we'll see later. And then Jared sneaks up on him. Like, solid snake. (laughs) And performs a stealth takedown. This is a Hitman level, where it's like Raven is just doing his thing, going on his routine, on his NPC path. And Jared pops up, unseen, you never see Jared. He got the S rank for his stealth mission. Yeah, very good. So he chokes out Raven, leaves him laying, and that's what he gets suspended for the following week. Glenn for some reason, politics to get Jared suspended by... Who even knows who? Because we don't have an authority figure on these shows. This is a big month for stealth attacks. What are the other ones? Well, we had Amazing Red appearing from out of nowhere with a hurricane runner on Raven as he was trying to leave the arena. We had the set-up ambush with Ron Killings and the Harris Brothers and Conan. Oh yeah, they beat up the Nazis. Yeah, allegedly. No, they beat them up. <laughs> yes, that was the bit I was alleging. <laughs> Big month for stealth attacks. And I appreciate it. That should be one thing they do carry over from this month. It's a very sneaky company. Why would you attack someone head-to-head when you can simply wait until they're cutting their masturbatory promo on top <laughs> of a television production truck and then you choke them out from behind? Galberti would have... Gilberti? Galberti Gilber- Gilber- is what I'm going to call it for Gilberti would have been screwed if Raven had have cut this promo inside of the asylum because he couldn't have got him banned yeah although it's not like jeff listened to the banning anyway <laughs> that's like he doesn't even go the entire show it's, he's handed this letter on, on the show and he opens it and he's like smiling and he's reading it and he's like mike Tanay, you see this and he shows the letter to mike tanae and mike tanae relays to the audience that jeff Jarrett has been suspended for one night only a single night jeff Jarrett has been suspended so jeff Jarrett's like oh i'm not great and then leaves <laughs> That's his exact quote. He doesn't, even get, he doesn't even get to do that. Like, they just cut to the backstage segment where Glenn Gilberti's like, Ha! I got Raven suspended! Yeah, and then Mike Taney has to say afterwards, He meant Jeff Jarrett. He was talking about Jeff Jarrett. And then later in the show, Jeff just comes back. Yeah, they're like, Hey Jeff, can you leave? And he's like, How about I take a shit on this instead, mate? Mm. And they're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> and then that brings us to our main event in which Glenn Gilberti defeated Raven. Following interference from the returning Vince Russo. A uh, freshly shaven Vince Russo. He looks very weird without the beard, doesn't he? Looks very young, though. He does. He, he does look in his 30s as opposed to in his 40s. Handsome guy, this Vince Russo. Yeah, you think he's dashing? Yeah, luscious hair. There was a whole saga around this and Raven match. <laughs> I was going to say, there has to be. The whole time I was thinking about this, I was like, if Gilberti wins, how the f- fuck did they get that to go through so the backstage tension between jeff dart and raven continued at the may 28th show when raven arrived at the building he tried to pull out of his scheduled match with glengal bertie based which was the advertised main event of the show raven told tna officials that he suffered a head injury thought to be uh, to be a mild concussion while working in dilo brown at an independent event in canada the night before when dilo Brown accidentally struck him with a stick based like the left side of raven's head was noticeably swollen according to several backstage sources so he was not making this up just to get out of job i like to mention the whole time in the car on the way to the thing he was just like punching himself in the head he's like come on come on i don't want to do- i don't want to lose the Glen. i don't want to lose the fucking glenn and my favorite part is they drive to the shows together apparently so glenn is just sitting in the car while raven's punching himself in the head he's like i'm not doing the he's job like, to you. i'm not doing the you, job are you, you. are right? he's like don't fucking really lose the glenn he's like oh yeah daylight, you know <laughs> Uh, Despite Raven's request to get out of the match, Jarrett was insistent that the advertised match take place. There was some suspicion on Jarrett's part that Raven was trying to get out of the match to avoid doing the job, but a number of TNA sources said that Raven was clearly injured and questioned why he would want to get out of doing a job for a friend and political ally like Gilbert. Maybe because it makes him look like fucking shit. <laughs> yep, sure does. So Jarrett insisted that Raven do the match. He offered the opportunity to do a short and safe match, but Raven eventually worked that up to do Like, this match goes 15 minutes. So like Jarrett's like, you can do a short, quick match, but Raven is like... I don't want to be beaten by Glen Gilberty in five minutes, so we will do a proper 15 minute main event. And what a proper main event it was. One spot where Raven was meant to kick out of the sea ocalypse, but they pulled it from the mat because Raven couldn't physically take the move. I mean, it's fucked up. Yeah, so, like, this is 2003, an era in which head injuries were not taken nearly as seriously as they are now. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that in 2021 wrestling where someone was like, oh, I think I got a concussion there last night. And the, the the booker of the company is like, no, you've got to do the match. Yeah, do it short and safe, idiot. Just do a five minute match. It's fine, but you have to do it. Yeah, that doesn't go down anymore, which is, you know, great. I mean, probably does still go down, to be honest. Well, I think wrestlers, I don't think, hmm, I'd like to think bookers don't force wrestlers to do it as much but you got to remember, like, in, especially in this kind of business, like they may not force anyone to do anything, but like the implication, the unspoken implication, is always there. Yeah, and I think wrestlers are stubborn and stupid, and like there's always the thing of make your dates, don't miss the shows. Like if you can work, you work. And also, like you know, if what if I don't do this, someone takes this spot, they might change the push. Blah, blah 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 blah. And if I don't do this, I don't get paid. If you're working indies, yeah. So, so there are there are horrible disincentives for people to do this. It's a rough one. It's, yeah, it's a bad business that regularly doesn't look after its its wrestlers. But the match itself, Gilberti beat him. Russo returned to the show. He hit Raven with a baseball bat. Gilberti pinned him. Son of a bitch. It was absolutely fascinating to see Gilberti like, doing ankle locks and working like a body part. Yeah, and Raven's selling. like Disco worked the leg. This was a leg match between Glenn Gilberti and Raven. Yeah, it wasn't a good one. It wasn't bad either. It was fine. Yeah, you know, like, but it wasn't, like, it wasn't awful either. It was just that standard, like, two and a half star heavyweight match, which is perfectly acceptable, but something you will never remember. Besides for the fact that you can say Glenn Gilberti beat Raven. For reasons beyond comprehension. <laughs> and, like, this was the original spot where they were thinking about doing the Raven and Jarrett rematch, but they switched it to Gilberty because they wanted to do the Gilberti match sooner. And I guess needed Gilberti to have a credible win over a main event star. And chose Raven, yeah. even though he beat AJ last month. It's a lot. There's a lot going on. It's a lot of Glenn, a lot of disco. So disco is our biggest star in the history of the NWA here in May 2003. <laughs> as attendances collapse around him, as I'm sure buy rates went through the floor, disco, your main event star. Please consider him for the rest of the year. Of course. Who else could you consider? I can't think of a single person according to pw torch while no one is sure what made russo agree to return as an honor character it's well known that jared has been asking him to do it all along so they they really didn't want russo. jared i'm trying to like you man <laughs> he is doing himself no favors it's like I, I desperately like am trying to like you but you're making it very difficult I did quite enjoy Mike Tenay, of course, famous for his "Oh shit, it's Vince Russo" line. Did quite well go back to the well when Vince Russo showed up on this show, where he shouted, "Russo's back! The son of a bitch is back!" Yeah, it's a good line. Which is, it doesn't have quite the authentic visceral hatred of "Oh shit, it's Vince Russo," but it's pretty solid. Because he's also spent the last three months just hanging out with him backstage, anyway. So <laughs> he's just always around and hanging out in the back of uh, New Church pre-tapes. So yeah exactly he's like I saw him in the background of that James Mitchell promo there the other week so this is no surprise <laughs> where was James Mitchell this month he's is he on the show his guys are on the show but now that yeah, his guys they're... are on the show but he's never with them yeah I don't think there's any James Mitchell maybe he was ringside for the gauntlet but yeah I don't think he's on the later shows of the month at all where Slash Awesome and Brian Lee are yeah but that's disco that is the month of disco <laughs> Disco Fever. The NWA DNA did in fact have Disco Fever here in May 2003. (laughs) Well, I'm glad we can move on from it. (laughs) (laughs) Even though you spent literally the entirety of the last, like, hour putting it over? Yeah, because it's a fun meme and it makes you angry, but, like, I don't actually want to watch it. Like, we're not done. Disco and Jarrett is next week. Oh, trust me, next week I'll be like, wow, fantastic match. Uh, Just tremendous effort from Disco really dragging this Jeff Jarrett performance up. And we won't be covering that for a month because uh, we'll be off for uh, in 2 weeks. Yeah. Thank god. <laughs> Excuse to put off watching it. Do you want to talk about the Raven Jarrett stuff as well here? Well, it's it's a, a, a we covered a, I think a bunch of it already. There was the sneak attack. There, there's the post match stuff as well. Oh yeah, we'll we'll go back to earlier in NWA a baby number 47 May 28 in which Jarrett comes out and starts cutting a promo where <laughs> for like the fifth time in 2 months he turns heel again. Well, it's cuz the crowd's thoroughly turned on him here. But, like, the bizarre thing is, Disco's a heel. Even though they're treating him as a badass, he's a heel. The crowd doesn't consider the the Disco feud as a real feud. <laughs> and neither does Jarrett. But surely you would wait at least until you do the Jarrett-Disco match before you turn Jarrett again. I think they knew that he was getting that heel reaction regardless, because, like... And you got to remember, like, by this, if, in, on the exact same boat, Raven is now getting cheered, and a week before he threatened to pour bleach down a woman's throat... <laughs> It's true, that's the thing he did. But that was a pre-tape, they might not have seen it. But that was still the week before. <laughs> Clearly the people in the asylum don't go home and buy the pay-per-view, Liam. They're not going to TNA.com to read the pre-tapes? Yeah, it's like, well, what, did, what didn't they show us here? They maybe didn't put everything on the big screen. He's going to pour bleach down her throat. <laughs> His direct quote was that he is going to clean the betrayal out of your soul. <laughs> with bleach down Mickey James' throat. And I feel like we say this every month, but, you know, the the worst month to be a woman in TNA, maybe? Well, it depends, unless you're Tracy Brooks or that nurse who need a bunch of people in the balls. Well, yeah, then you're getting, like, beaten viciously for three weeks, or getting dragged around and getting bleached, getting threatened with bleach. Mm. So, yeah, Jarrett and Raven are doing that problem with the ring. Jarrett's like, you don't know what it's like to walk in my shoes. You don't know what it's like to be me. And that he's like, life sucks, then you die to somebody in the crowd who's booing him. That, that's a good line, though. That was a good line whenever you hear it. J- Raven comes out and interrupts him. Jared calls Raven, like, a drug adult screw-up, which gets a big pop. Raven does the same thing that, like, any dude who does drugs does, where it's like, as soon as you mention drugs, they, like, they just go, yeah, you know, I've done drugs in my time. Yeah, I I did quite enjoy. It. It's like you're nothing but a screw up. You're, you've been an addict all your life. You're pa- ever, ever since birth. And yeah, the crowd like yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, which kind of always it just shows you that like that's the wrestling crowds are all like misfits, degenerates. They're always going to be on the side of that guy, aren't they? Mm. They never they never want to see like the clean baby face who's like oh I've I've never done a thing wrong. <laughs> I mean, just look at AEW. <laughs> like the guy who's the biggest baby face in the world was a drunk for a year and a half. Who, like, portrayed all of his friends. That's obviously why you're the baby face of this podcast and I'm the, I'm the heel. Yes, because you're the drunk. No, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the straight edge guy and obviously you're the, oh, Je- yeah, you're you're the Jeff Jarrett. you're Ge- Jeff Jarrett and I'm Raven. Yeah, that's that's the dynamic of this podcast. Oh, that's another um, Halloween costume idea. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, no. Like, you go as Jeff, I go as Raven. I don't want to have to wear a Jeff Jarrett wig. <laughs> but imagine the fit. Get the glasses, you get the button up. Yeah, white pants. Yeah. Still wouldn't like that. You get the NWA title? Sure. Yeah, that's a thing I have. Yeah. And politically trying to keep out of doing a rematch against Raven? (laughs) I get to wear a skirt? Hell yeah. It's called a kilt, Liam. Win-win all around. (laughs) Sorry. I also, like, there's, um, just to go back to the Gilberty match, there's a very clear difference between, like, Babyface Raven working and Heel Raven working, Mm. because Babyface Raven likes to do wacky things, like put his kilt over the face while doing the 10 punches. I I noticed that. I was like, wait, is he doing that? Oh, he is doing that on purpose. Very good. (laughs) Because he's a Babyface now, and he's mugging to the crowd. Yeah, so basically, like, neither guy did, like, a face or a heel turn, but they figured the rejection of the Jarrett retaining against Raven, where the crowd chanted bullshit, and they were very displeased... They basically considered that at least the the pretense to do a double turn with the the two of them. That they figured that the crowd are finally like onto the fact that Jarrett is booking himself to retain the title against the guys people liked. So that's the reason the crowd have firmly turned on Jarrett this month. It was like fifty fifty in the Jarrett Raven match, you know. When he came back, it was like I was surprised. It took me aback. Mm, they're They're firmly, finally rejected Double J in his hometown of Nashville. So, all of him acting like an asshole the entire time and doing, like, two heel turns in the last two months. It's finally caught on. Yeah. It's like, oh, man, this guy kind of sucks. He's a bit of a jerk, so we're going to boo him. So, yeah, the Jared officially, I think, turns heel in this month. Yeah. Until he's a babyface in the disco match next week. <laughs> yeah, but then, like, I don't know, Raven will beat him up after and get cheered. Yeah, I-, I do enjoy Raven as a worker a lot more as a babyface, I think, actually. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm looking forward to that a lot more as well. Because the, the best thing about that disco match is Raven as a babyface, as you mentioned. Yeah. So I think that's most of the important Jarrett Raven stuff. The only other Raven stuff was a part of other people's stuff, but so was everything else. <laughs> yeah, let's go to gang warfare before we do tournaments. Alright, yeah. Because the gang warfare is the tournament. Yeah, it's, it's, bo- it's the reason both of the tournaments are happening, for some reason. Alright, let's do the biggest setup. The larger story. So there, there is four stables feuding here in TNA. There is the Sports Entertainment Extreme led by Daniel Birdie. There is the uh, Extreme Revolution, yay, which is the Sandman, New Jack, Perry Saturn, and Just Incredible stable. There is the Disciples of the New Church, which is Mike Awesome, Brian Lee, and Slash. Shrug. And then there is the National Wrestling Alliance, which is everybody else. Literally everyone. Which really, when you think about it, they should outnumber all the other stables, like four to one, and just beat the shit out of them, but nonetheless. Well, like, at the very least, like, the, the, the disciples on the New Charts have the lowest advantage here. <laughs> There's three of them. Mm. But one of them is Mike Awesome. Yeah, well, he's, he doesn't seem too hard to beat. <laughs> well, yeah, Mike Sanders beats him in a tables match, so that's true. <laughs> So there's a bunch of infighting and matches between all of these stables. There's like a, pretty much all of them interacted and mingled in the um, anarchy in the asylum gauntlet match to become number one contender. Uh, start of the month, Sabu defeated New Jack and Sandman to qualify for that match. So there's fighting within the Extreme Guys. But we'll talk about Sabu again in a minute because Sabu no showed a bunch of shows this month. I was gonna say that was the last time I saw him. He was meant to be on two more, but missed his flights both times. I think. Cool. And he's not the only person to no-show shows this month. We'll talk about that as well in a moment. So that first show, categorized by a bunch of people coming together. So then we go to the May 14th show in which the, the gang warfare truly breaks out between sex and the Extreme Revolution in particular. Yes. That show opens with, we mentioned the, the Gilberti Raw opening promo, but then Extreme Revolution confronts them. They have a big brawl, but Sandman's, uh, he's he's a little conflicted about brawling with sex here. Which bit, sir? Sandman, brawling, start of the show, conflicted, sets oh, up, yes, yes. peace offering, yeah, Siaki, <laughs> story of the month. Sorry, I think I got confused. There's so much stuff going on. There's a lot of intermingling. So yeah, the, the Sandman doesn't attack any of sex as the, the, the rest of his extreme revolution cohort run them off. So he is he is a peace offering backstage with uh, with Sonny Siaki. They have a sit down to try and hammer out their differences civilly, Liam. I also took this as like, Siaki fucking it up for Gilberti. <laughs> Because like Gilbert, he was like, yeah, I'll have a one-on-one with Sandman. Then Siaki's like, all right, I'll handle this. And it immediately goes poorly. And like Gilbert, he had the snake tongue this month. He's talking everybody into joining sex and helping them out. It's not going well. It's not going well for uh, Siaki, though. So they, yeah, they sit down. He invites them. They're sitting in front of a truck for some reason. <laughs> they just have a table out there. I had a, an epiphany this month as well. The only place more dangerous than a NXT parking lot is an NWA TNA parking lot. Which, like, I, I understand why wrestling companies actually do this. It's just, like, it's basically scene variety. You know, instead of just doing yeah. the same thing over and over again, it's like, we'll do some stuff in the parking lot, it'll be different. But yeah, everyone gets jumped in the parking lot. It also makes it look like the most dangerous place to ever exist. Yeah, you pull up in your car and you get your ass kicked. It's like, you will never know when Amazing Red will pop out of nowhere to hit you with a hurricane runner. And just look real cool while he's doing it. It can happen at any stage or any time always be aware so yeah siaki sits down with sandman they tried and hammer things out diplomatically he's like desire sits on sandman's lap and like rubs his cane yeah jerks off the cane mm-hmm. and he's like yeah you got a big stick and he's like Yeah, hey, i'll show you a big stick there's a, actually a moment later in the month where sandman's doing his entrance and he jerks off the big stick while spitting his beer out it's, it's simulating yeah. ejaculating it's it's a good huh. it's a good bit David Young swings the cane, but but, (laughs) Sandman just sidesteps it, and he just nails Desire instead. Yep, and that's uh, another recurring subplot of this month, the, the love triangle between Desire, David Young, and Sonny Siaki. Again, like my statement about every love triangle in history, a throuple would solve this. Of course. But yeah, the, another giant brawl breaks out between Sex and the Extreme Guys in which Saturn against Gilberti is made. Also, on that show, Mike Sanders defeats Mike Awesome in a tables match. Awesome. Because Gilberti's so strong and tough. <laughs> yeah, Gilberti comes out, hits Awesome with a chair while they're both on the top. Awesome. Falls through a table, Sanders wins. Is that the last time we see Awesome as well? I don't think so. I think he might be in the uh, Asylum Alliance tournament. Armed Asylum? No, I'll get there. <laughs> what the, the Hard 10. There you go. <laughs> Oh they wow, wasn't even an asylum based one. He should win and just like by doing two awesome bombs through tables and getting ten points immediately. How cool would that be? This dude who does cool power bombs should do cool power bombs and win. Yeah. It's a revolutionary concept here in the NWATNA. Nah, Mike Sanders much tougher. Oh god no, Liam, no. What? That is Mike Awesome's last match. He does some All Japan, he does some MLW, but no more NWATNA after this, after he was disgraced and beaten by Mike Sanders. He's just like, I can't come back. He he, he was the giant slayer. He's like, I've been slayed. I, I just can't come back. I like to imagine that Sanders Awesome match was so bad that it sealed both of their careers in the company. Pretty much, because Sanders, I do believe, continues into June, as I said, but he's he's not long for the world either, as a lot of these guys who have been regulars on the show start disappearing. Saturn's another one. Oh, that's kind of sad. Saturn's been pretty good. We do have more Saturn in June, including a, a fun, wacky Perry-Saturn match. Oh, fun. Let's go. Which you can look forward to. One, one of the random Japanese names showing up, as well as mentioned. <sighs> who will it be? I hope it's Josh Barnett. Yeah, of course. I don't even remember where we were. Oh, yeah, Sex code of Giant Warfare, then Sex take over the show at the end of the month. Yeah, they beat everyone up. It's, I mean, to be fair, it's a good, like, takeover, bro. It's much better than their last one where they wore all, like, the, the military attire and tried to take over. Hmm. Saban joined. Joined Sex. Meh. Everyone's joining. Everyone's joining Sex. Big fans of Sex here. <laughs> I like that you can tell when Sabin's evil because he has his hair in a bun. Mm. As opposed to the long straight hair. Yeah. It's nice that he has that deep lore. <laughs> that's, his, that's his Malachi Black lore I'm both upset and pleased that we now we refer to all wrestling character development as lore <laughs> Yeah, it's much better It's both horrible and great Yeah It's because all wrestling fans are gigantic nerds mm. And just we're just like, oh, the, the deep story And we want to convince ourselves that wrestling is somehow, like, high art instead of just nonsense No, because sometimes it is <laughs> It's like, oh, the symbolism, he's, he's he's doing the things with his socks You know what it is? It's like, we had four years of New Japan actually doing like three, four year long stories. And we're like, wow, wrestling can actually do it. And then everyone stopped. And we're like, no, no, but I can do it still. We swear. The socks. The socks. His socks are different colours. That's the equivalent of like, we're so desperate for it now. We're like, look, uh, he's got. He's, the the, the, lo- the lights in the promo are different. It means something because we saw Kenny and Koto exchange a look before a loss in an in IWGP title match. And we're like, it's the same thing. It's all stories. It's all storytelling. I miss four year long stories. <laughs> as we, I say, as AEW just paid off a two year long story. And as we just tease, what is a four year long story based around the TNA mascot? Of course. I think it needs to be more than a backstage note, and then the thing happening to be storytelling. No, that's storytelling. Like they teased it, they thought about it. It's right here. <gasps> no, they're not doing the storytelling. We're doing the storytelling. There you go. This is this is the wow. narratives. We're the true storytellers here in pro wrestling. Wow. Also, given how often they do worked shoots on this in this company, and how often they like work wrestling news beats into the actual show itself. Yeah. Yeah, when they do their TNA talk show, I hope they talk about the mascot. (laughs) Oh, there was a report in the PW Torch last week about our mascot. That's wrong. (laughs) That's stupid. Who would do that? (laughs) But like, even on these shows, there's uh, one of the shows where Raven is not, and they're like, Mike Taney is on commentary. It's like, you know he doesn't have a contract, like based off of the the big reporting after the Jarrett Raven match that he didn't have a contract, Mm. which is a thing that was never established in the universe of the show, but it's a Mike Taney line based on the fact that it's a, a news report outside of the universe of the show. Also, to be fair, that it's not like like on their website they're, they're just acknowledging everything anyway. Yeah, and Raven does sign a new contract this month, in case anybody was wondering. Yeah, I was wondering. Very early in the month, Raven is back on board. Where the fuck were we up to? Uh, Sex destroys everybody. Yeah, it was a it was a cool beat down, and it ends with Gilberti smoking a cigar like a real cool guy. So the following week, Mytena tells us that in order to address all of this gang warfare. They have decided to come up with two tournaments. This is how you address gang warfare. This is what the police should have realized. Just put on two tournaments. Some professional wrestling tournaments will solve all of your problems. That doesn't even need to be professional wrestling. Just tournaments. So the first is the Hard 10 tournament, which is a hardcore style tournament. I'm so excited for the Hard 10. Each weapon shot gets you one point. Each table bump gets you five points. First to ten wins, but you must win by two. Yes. So good rules and rules that are actually understandable. Yeah, it's like a darts match up in here. You got to win by two legs, straight legs. Is that how you win darts? Well, there's some tournaments where you do have to win by two straight sets or two, two straight legs. Tennis is probably like the the more well known sport where you do have to win by two points. I've never heard of it. Tennis. Yeah, uh, it's a difficult sport to understand. Is it like table tennis? They put two people on the either end of, of a court, and there's a net in the middle, and they both have rackets and a ball, and they have to hit the ball back and forth until they stop. Oh yeah, my hero Nick Curios plays that. Sure. <laughs> it's a, it's, a, it's a, a local reference for all these all the Aussies in the crowd. Which is apparently many in the TNA. so good job. <laughs> like I say, I'm, I'm like the NWTNA, I'm just pandering. So the other tournament, the one that makes considerably less sense. In order to stop all these people infighting and like fighting each other and hating each other, they have started the Asylum Alliance tournament, which is, as I like to call it, the Can They Coexist tournament. Yes. Which I was very pleased to hear Mike Cheney say the exact line. So, seven out of the eight teams in the tournament have been pan-selected by TNA from the various stables and put together. So, as I scroll down to the Torment brackets, you have the team of New Jack and Shark Boy, The greatest team that's ever existed. Oh, just you wait till we get to June. <laughs> there is some tremendous New Jack and Sharkboy content coming up. They're so great together. You have Don Harris and Ron Killings. <laughs> you have Tracy and David Young. You have Trinity and Kit Cash. You have Sandman and Sonny Siaki. You have, we'll talk about it in a moment, a mystery team. Ooh. You have Justin Credible and Jerry Lynn. And then the eighth team is the team that wins the AJ Styles and D.Lo Brown against AMW match, which is AMW. Yeah. The law that the real team had to earn their way in. That's such a great idea. <laughs> you only have one real team in this tournament and they do have to work their way in. Someone should do that now. It's like a bunch of random teams and then like one opportunity for a real team to get in because they'll obviously have the advantage over all the random teams. Yeah, so this is DNA's big plan to try and get everyone to work together and it's like why can't we all just get along? Why can't we there's more that unites us than divides us. We just be pals. Yeah, do you want titles? So the entirety of the May 21st show is basically like a can-they-get-along show. It's kind of great. The gang warfare erupts. So you you also, separate from the tournament, get what was meant to be a six-stand tag team match, but it actually ended up being a three-on-two handicap match. Which was Amazing Red, Just Incredible, and slashed against the Triple X team of Christopher Daniels and the Skipper. And for me, what well, was easily the best match of the month. I thought this banged. Because this is like full red babyface in peril again. Skipper and Daniels are so good. They're like just tremendous. There was a real weird chant from the crowd who started chanting R-E-D. <laughs> R-E-D. And I was like, do you not know who he is and you're just reading the back of his tights? I thought they were chanting orVD for a minute. I was like... What? Oh, you're saying red. (laughs) You're you're spelling red. It's so stupid. But yeah, they're super on board with red. And like when he made the hot tag to Slash, they were like chanting evil, and everyone was so into it. Yeah, this match with Triple X—they're the best team, like the best thing going on any of these shows. They're they're really good. I love them. I love them so. I love everything about them. I love their like snide characters. Mm. I love their stupid funky music. I love like every time that they come out they have the best match on the show. Then they actually have a good wrestling match every week, which is just, you know, a pleasant a pleasant thing to see as opposed to most of these people doing like shitty walking brawls. Really shitty walking brawls. Yeah, really good match. Really good match. It's shockingly good. And my favorite note was like it was meant to be a six-man tag with Loki, but Loki dislocated his shoulder in a, a show in the UK. But my Tane is like gloating. <laughs> You're like, how idiot. So you get what you deserve, Triple X. This guy dislocated his shoulder. You deserve to have a three-on-two disadvantage. What a mean guy. And listen, we're, when we get to the tag team stuff, we'll talk about how Daniels has a, a man disadvantage for a lot of this month. So it's really unfair. Well, especially with the the other, yeah the, the first week as well. It's just, uh, poor Daniels. Everyone's ganging up on Christopher Daniels. Which, is, to be fair, I guess is the like you know, the story. It's the irony of Triple X finally getting their own medicine. So we get all four Asylum Alliance first round matches this month. You get New Jack and Sharkboy against Don Harrison. Truth, Don Harrison, Truth immediately implode. I love that this whole tournament based around bringing people together doesn't work at all. Nope. Very first match in the tournament, the two teams do not get along. In fact, they attack their teammate backstage. Mm. So, yeah, the Harris Bros attack Killings, but then Killings still makes his own comeback and wins. So, Killings beats Shark Boy and New Jack. Yeah. Which is very upsetting because we get some very good Shark Boy and New Jack in this month, frankly. Yeah, well, at least it brought them together to give us something better in the future. So, before that match against Don Harris and Killings, you get Shark Boy and New Jack play- backstage playing Candyland. <laughs> I love that like, this all started because New Jack and Sandman were playing chess. Mm mm-hmm. And so it's like, which board game can we get New Jack to? New Jack's so good. I'm so happy he's having this run. And like my favorite part is the the promo on the next show, where New Jack is standing at the top of the asylum with a large jug of water. Yeah, and he throws this jug of water from the top of the asylum through a table at the bottom of the asylum. And he says that slashes head. And I'm curious, like, does he mean the table is his head or the water is his head? No, he very clearly means the water is his head because he tells us... Ah, because when it spills, it's his blood spilling. Yes, he quite eloquently tells us what this is a metaphor for, which is that the water spilling out of the jug that he threw, like, 20 feet through a table is a metaphor for the blood that will spill from Slash's head when they face off in a hard 10 match. Also, very nice of Shark Boy to continue wanting to play after New Jack was very clearly cheating. Yeah, but he's clearly trying to find a game that New Jack will obviously be on level pegging with, which is obviously shoots and ladders. Yes, or snakes and ladders as we know it by. Uh, Same. It's a cultural difference there. What what the fuck's a shoot? It's a it's like a thing you can go down. A slide. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, but snakes are way cooler. So yeah, New Jack wants to, or Shark Boy wants to play games with New Jack. So do I. Don't we all? Hmm. I like that during the Candyland segment, there was a little Sandman action figure on the Candyland. <laughs> oh, Sandman is too busy teaming with Sonny Siaki. I've never played Candyland, so neither have I. So I, I don't even know how it works. I assume it's like every other game. We should do a Patreon series of playing all of the games that New Jack played. <gasps> we could get the board game simulator. Head to head in chess. Head to head in Candyland. Head to head in Shoots and Ladders. I will beat your ass at some chess. You probably will, even though you were like, I haven't lost a game of chess in an entire year. <laughs> I, I never said that. I never bragged about never losing chess. We were playing a random game of chess on Switch and Liam was like, I haven't lost a game of chess all year. I'm undefeated in chess. In that I hadn't played one all year. <laughs> and I, I I haven't played chess in like 15 years. And then I beat Liam and he was very upset. Oh, shoot, mad. It's almost worse than when we started playing the Naruto fighting game and you beat me and I was like, I just, what's the point? <laughs> so I like purposefully cheated when we played Pokemon. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> so I, I just like brought Legendary. I was like, "Fuck, I'm gonna lose it again. We were discussing this. We should do a Pokemon battle on the Patreon sometime this month or next month, probably without completely non-meta relevant teams. Well, it'll just be you with your Staraptor and your Lucario and your Luxray. Yeah, you know my team. This is bullshit. You can change yours now. <laughs> uh, so Tracy and David Young teamed up to, to face Trinity and Kid Cash. Uh, so should we do like the Trinity stuff? Yeah, let's spin off. So this month... This is a good way of getting through all the other stuff, actually. As the matches happen, we can talk about the storylines that are relevant to them. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So this month, Kid Cash and Trinity had a month. Kid Cash is the worst wrestling character uh, ever. Well, he's meant to be. You're meant to hate him. That's the, yeah, I'm saying. I'm not saying he's bad at it. Mm. I'm saying this guy is my least favorite pro wrestling character I've ever seen. Because I feel legitimately uncomfortable every time he's on the screen. So the very show of the month, uh, May 7th, uh, Trinity, Tracy, and Desire were meant to have a three-way match to qualify for the Anarchy and the Asylum Gauntlet. But Kid Cash had other ideas. Hmm. Oh god. Right before the match was meant to happen, Kid Cash came out and he was very angry at Trinity who once again we must reiterate. He owns. <laughs> he yes. he owns the contract of Trinity. Trinity, he was he didn't want Trinity in the match. So he handcuffed her and violently dragged her away. Like just, it was so gross. It's so gross. Like, he wasn't, like, you know, the the comical wrestling drag her away. It's like... Get out here! Blah, 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 blah. Very forcefully, like, pushing her to the ground and forcefully dragging her out of the ring. Garrett, you're under... He was throwing knees! Yeah, Like, this wasn't like, oh, I'm dragging you... He was, like, beating the shit out of it. Yeah. It was full-on domestic abuse, yes. Like, and it's, it's meant to be read as domestic abuse as well. Yeah. Well, as we'll see when it gets to the wrap-up of this, where he after the payoff to the, them having their, like, faux match, he's like, I'm going to kill you. Mm. This isn't, like, the <laughs> pro-wrestling world storyline shit. This is just really gross simulated domestic violence. Yeah, so they even had Trinity to have a blood packet in her mouth which she bit and went all over the place. So it wasn't shoot blood, at least. You were worried about that. It was it was worked blood. Yeah, because it looked like it could have been. But the, when you see it, because it, Tracy gets a bunch of it on her leg, and when you see it on Tracy's leg, it does look, like, overly, like, liquidous to be real blood. Yeah, I don't know. That shit—that shit was made me genuinely uncomfortable. Yeah, because he beat the shit out of her. It was not, not good. Like he legitimately, like he was very, like just violently physical with her in a way that is so deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. We talked about the segment where he offered Trinity services to sex, like explicit have sex with this woman that I own. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cash faces wrong killings on that same show. This is the May Fourteenth show. Killings wins through interference from the Mask Luchador. Who could it be? So continues the feud with Cash. Cash then has like a couple of weird segments. <laughs> so Cash is backstage and Tracy Brooks walks in and with on him and he's like, she's like oh, I know a woman's place. You, you don't have to tell me. And Cash is like, oh, you do, do you? It's like, oh, yeah. Oh, she's like, I, I, I want to be treated like that. And I was like, because I, I think so little of the NWATNA that I thought that was actually going to be her character. Yes, I 100% thought that was going to be her character too. I was like, oh, dear Lord, no. Why? Why are you doing this? But in, in the rare defense of NWATNA, once Cash is lured in, Tracy then knees him in the nuts and starts laying boots into him. And puts, like, Ben Gay on his dick. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, the whole bit is he's like, yeah, and she's like, yeah, I'll jerk you off. And then he's like, ah, oh. oh, no. <laughs> it does not go well for Kit Cash. So then the following week, Kit Cash is preparing for this match, I think, again, the Trinity tag match. Yeah. So, or is it, no, it's the last show of the month he does the thing with the nurse, isn't it? Oh, yeah, that's that's before the, the singles match. So we should talk about the tag. Asylum Alliance tag match, then, yes, so, which is Trinity and Kid Cash against Tracy and David Young. And, of course, David Young, at this whole point, has been doing the uh, will-they-won't-they they stuff with Desire, and then he's teaming with Tracy, and Desire's pissed about him teaming with Tracy because mm. she kind of likes him. And they have this really sweet brawl where Desire hangs off the roof and does a dropkick. Yeah, she like, there's the light the hanging from the ceiling, so he gra- she grabs it with both hands, pulls herself up, and kicks Tracy in the face. It's dope. Very good. And, like, the whole time David Young wants to... Actually, then no, sorry, that was the week after, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, this was the, the week after. But there's, like I guess, said there's so many interlocking stories here. Yeah. Okay. Well, do, we'll they have the match, all right, and then so, and then the week after. Yeah, they have this segment where um because uh Tracy wanted to come to the backstage to talk to David Young because they won their match and they wanted to strategize and so yeah they go in they beat up they go they go to the ring they start brawling in the ring David Young comes out and eventually spine his tag team partner Tracy mm-hmm. for his woman desire. So worth saying uh, that the Young and Tracy match against Cash and Trinity, Young and Tracy win after the Mass Luchador appears on the screen to distract Kid Cash, allowing Young and Tracy to pick up the victory. With their cool, distorted voice. Ah, yes. Definitely a live thing that wasn't at all meant to throw you off thinking that the Mass Luchador is Trinity, because Trinity, of course, is still in the ring. Yeah, it couldn't be. So then, last show of the month, we have the segment backstage where a nurse walks in while Kid Cash is preparing for his match against the Mass Luchador. A like over the top like slutty Halloweenness, mm-hmm. and, and she's like, "Do you, we need your checkup before the match, Kit Cash?" It's a nude NWA TNA thing. There's actually a, a segment this month where you can see backstage on the wall during a Glingle Birdie promo. There's like a note being like the do's and don'ts. One of them is like, "Do not go near the announce table." I tried to get people on Twitter to translate it for me, but it's quite difficult. It's blurry. Mm, I only could. I only deciphered the word wrestlers. So. It is about them. We have worked out. <laughs> if we ever get 1080p versions of these shows we will actually read it it's like Grand Theft Auto Remastered you can finally read what all the text is meant to say in the game <laughs> with many, many many typos but yes this nurse is like oh we need to do a check up here Kitcash, before our match and Cash is like Trinity sent you here didn't she yeah he's like I'm not falling for this shit and then she's like yes but he gets kneed in the balls again and hit with a clipboard yeah is this like anyone of note uh, Simply Luscious in Ring of Honor does that ring a bell Ah, oh, Simply Luscious she went by Veronica here. She was Beau of Steve Carino. There you go. So yeah, she needs cash in the balls, and then cash comes out to face the mass Luchador. Former member of sorry. Former member of um fucking Daniel's group. The ministry. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> You're the Ring of Honor guy. Why are you saying sure? <laughs> yeah, sure. And then like like either on screen or off screen, like girlfriend of punk for a bit, and then like punk gets beat up. It's a whole thing. Cool. Every woman that was in Ring of Honor was just dating someone and then getting beaten up to, like, to uh, further a storyline. Which is not entirely dissimilar from the NWA TNA. Yes, yeah, not wrong. So Kit Cash comes out nursing his balls as he faces <laughs> the masked Lutador who is revealed to be... <gasps> it's Trinity, Liam. What the fuck? Even though it was very clearly not Trinity at the beginning. Yes. They have a frankly horrendous match. Why did Trinity fuck over Jerry Lynn? <laughs> and Amazing Red. Yeah, what the fuck, Trinity? Like, she helped Red win the bell from cash, but then beat up Red. Yeah, Trinity, what's going on? And then for some reason helped, as you said, Red beat Jerry Lynn for reasons. I don't know. Who knows? But yeah, this match, really bad. Yeah, awful. Just real disjointed. Uh, Trinity looked really bad here. Maybe it was because she was wrestling in a fucking full bodysuit. Yeah, it's bad. Real bad. Bad, 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 Like, maybe the worst match (laughs) It it might be. It might be the worst match of Teenage. This match is horrendous. Like, everything they did looked bad. It's the worst Trinity ever looked. Trinity tries to do a moonsault. She completely misses. The crowd wanted to get into this, but every time they did a spot, they were like, oh. Yeah, they literally, they, like, I have never seen a match where they, like, fucked everything up. Like, everything. Every single move in this match, they screwed up. Every Rana, every moonsault, everything looked bad. And it's the worst Trinity's looked. It's the worst Kid Cash has looked. And, like, Trinity's look good in these situations. If you remember the triple threat with Trinity, Red, and Cash, that ruled. Yeah. Every time she appeared in the multi-man stuff, she's pretty great. Even in the singles match. Was it Desire or Alexis? She might have wrestled both. It was Alexis. I think it was Alexis the one I'm referring to. Even in the singles match, like, that shit was great after they had a really wonky tag match. Oh, yeah, and she did that cool kick and she did the standing shooting star? Yeah. And then she has this match with Cash, which is the blow-off to their big feud. And it just, it stinks. It's horrific. Is it the blow-off? Because Cash wins. <laughs> he sure does. He wins this match Even though he was needing the balls right before the match. You can't do a you can't do a domestic abuse storyline and then have the guy win. It's like WrestleMania in two thousand three all over again, where you do the big racist story and then the racist wins. He, thus proving the point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Cash wins and then it's like, I'm gonna kill you <laughs> Yep. Which is like Oh, great. The happy ending we all wanted to this <laughs> story. It might continue next it's month. Awful. I don't remember. Maybe it does. Awful, 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 awful. The story has been going for like three months now, and I do want it to be over. I wanted it to be over from the minute Cash started kneeing her in the head. I wanted it to be over much earlier than that, to be fair, but <sighs> then we would have never gotten the knee in the head match or moment. It's all rough. All right, so the next match in the Asylum Alliance tournament stems from the main event of which of these shows? The NWATNA pay-per-view number 45. Seven. <laughs> Five. <laughs> which is the may 14th show which was headlined i, I just guessed to try and give you the answer <laughs> oh i'm wrong too it's not it's 46 it's the may 21st show which is headlined by yeah. a clockwork orange house of fun match between the siaki and sandman this is the stupidest match i've ever seen in my life <laughs> which that match stems of course if you remember we mentioned the um the peace offering segment that went wrong so now they're wrestling in the main event yeah so raven is the special referee the what was it the purveyor of violence something like that chairman of violence man who oversees violence violent man the perpetuator of violence or something head of violence violence dude the violence artist violence chief the violence violinist why am i so violent um oh fuck violence unlimited violent violence by design oh there's so many violences (laughs) But yes, the Yaki and Salmon have a, frankly, extremely boring match. It's pretty bad. But, like, they jump into things, which is neat. But it's really, like, it's the finish here that means anything. Yeah, so the, 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 there's, there's a story running through the show where Siaki goes to Raven. And he's like, yo, Raven, we're pals, right? We're buds. We're both in sex. We're pals. You're going to help me, right? You don't like these extreme guys. After, like, being, like, kicking him around and shit. It's like, he's clearly not going to be on your side. You're being very mean to him. Yeah, so, so when Raven is there, he's, he's indifferent to the majority of the match while Siaki and Sandman beat the shit out of each other. Raven is just sitting in his corner. Raven eventually gets up. He DDT Siaki. He DDT Sandman. The match is declared a no contest. Well, because there's no ref. That's true. So all of the sex people come out, all of the extreme people come out, there's a big brawl. Raven just leaves. (laughs) He goes hunting for Jeff Jarrett. So, like, the whole point here is, is, like, this is them firmly establishing that Raven is by himself. Yeah, so he walks out, he goes looking for Jeff Jarrett, but he doesn't find Jeff Jarrett, Liam. He finds the Amazing Red. Who he beat up earlier in the show as a part of his, like... I'm beating up everyone until Jared's here. Yeah, Raven is doing this thing where until he gets his match against Jared, he's going to kill everybody that comes across his path. He kills Red. He also kills Jeremy Borash on one of these shows. Which I wonder if they did so that they could give Mortimer Plumtree his last out-there-doing-stuff for. Oh, yeah, which would be a nice little thing. Just because, yeah, Mortimer Plumtree takes over the ring announcing. And actually, he does really well there. He's a good announcer. But not even the, the announcing... But like he sells it like I don't know the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, he looks legitimately flustered. He's like reading the words. Even the way he does the ring announcing at first, he's like uncertain of himself. He's like reading the names. More Poultry, Really good performance there in a very small little role. Yeah. So uh, to me, that seemed like they wanted to give him one more time out there in the limelight. So yeah, Red jumps Raven after he got jumped earlier in the show. He, Raven is backstage, like wandering around the car park, being like, Jarrett, where are you? <laughs> Jarrett, where are you, Jarrett? And then Red just flies out of nowhere from behind, like, a building. I was like, who the fuck? You know who I thought it was? I thought it was Alexis. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck, Glenn really got in the heads. No, it's the amazing Red dressed in his Rivera Steakhouse jacket and his gigantic jeans. He came straight from Japan. He did. He hit a hurricane round, even though he was beat up earlier in the show, but don't, don't worry about it. But he, then he went to Japan and he came back. He hit a hurricane round onto Raven. He started throwing punches. He's beating the hell out of Raven. He brawled all the way back to ringside. He put Raven on a table. He hit a big swanton bomb. Table didn't break. Really cute moment here where he like he's like, oh, fuck. And he goes up to Raven and you can, can see him go like, should I do it again? <laughs> and Raven goes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So he goes up top again, hits another swanton, this time the table does break. And it's Red's, like, big breakout moment, even though I don't think it really goes anywhere. It seems cool, but it's like, Raven just, like, lost to Jarrett and lost to Glenn. You know who he's beaten. (laughs) Fun fact, this spot that Red filled there was meant to be filled by Sean Waltman.
1: Yeah.
0: Sean Waltman was scheduled to return to the company on May 21st, but no showed. The plan was for Waltman to make a surprise return by attacking Raven at the end of the show. However, Waltman told TNA officials that he missed this flight and was unable to appear as scheduled. The word going around backstage was that Raven suggested Red as the Waltman's replacement. Cool. Of course, the big problem is the reason it goes nowhere is Red is on tour in Japan for the next three weeks. So they did this big angle where Red beats the shit out of Raven and then Red disappears. Hey man, you can come back and do it again now. But Raven's a face now, so. Yeah, and Red only did the angle because Sean Waltman was meant to do it, and he no showed. Good stuff. The wonders of NWATNA. So the important part there is Siaki Sandman at odds. We went in multiple different directions. This is a very splintery episode. This week is so hard to keep track of. This month. So that leads us to the Asylum Alliance match in which Sandman and Siaki face the mystery team, Liam, which turns out to be the returning BG James. He looks like shit. Teaming with Conan. It's the 3 Live Crew. Beware. This mother is a bad jam. It's the remix. So yeah, this is, this is the beginning of 3LK, because later in the show is when Conan and Killings attack the Harris Bros. This is, we're seeing the foundation of 3 Live Crew right here, Liam. Well, we'd already seen the foundation, because they'd already teamed up Conan and Killings. Yeah, but they didn't have the third guy. Yeah, but the third guy's the worst guy. <laughs> oh, I'm so upset. I was so upset when I heard his stupid intro song. Mm. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. <sighs> I went, Ugh. So yeah, BG after months being away because he quit because his dad didn't get the pay rise, which is actually a, a note. Mike tonne on commentary is like, Bob Armstrong stepped away. He asked for time off. It's like, no, he didn't. He asked for a pay rise and he left because you didn't give it to him. Which is fair. He asked for 50 bucks a week and you didn't give it to him. Yeah, well, he should ask for another fifty so I can get rid of him again. No, from the PW Torch, BG, BG James was brought back because company officials believe the show lacks star power. Although James walked out with his brother in protest of their father not receiving the fifty buck pay rise he asked We're for. Run out of star power? Let's bring back fucking BG James, who got zero reaction this entire time because he stinks. James has been sending feelers to TNA for a while now. I will say this show or this month even is the first month that doesn't really have any surprises. Yeah. Like, you, uh, you have a couple people coming back, like BG. You were supposed to, though. You're supposed to have, like, Sean Waltman and stuff. And... But even Waltman's a guy who's already been there. He had the SAT. Yeah, like, every month for, like, the last, I don't know, six months, we've had, like, oh, here's the seven people who debuted this month. And this month, there's nobody. Where the fuck's Dusty? Yeah, no Dusty. It's a Dustyless month. Ugh, it's wonder- no wonder the month was bad. Yeah, it's a very bad month because there's not even like, oh, you know, this random person from 30 years ago showed up. None of that. It's just you get a couple of returns and that's about it. Yeah. But yes, the team of BJ James and Conan defeats the team of Sandman and Sayaki to advance in the Asylum Alliance tournament. Blech. And then the last Asylum Alliance match of the month Jerry Lynn and Just Incredible face America's Most Wanted. <laughs> we have to some, some scene we setting today. America's do. Most Gunted. So AMW are continuing their breakup this month, but they get back. <laughs> just and- ignoring that, you're just like, "Fuck, giving that even a second of." It wasn't even a pun. It wasn't even wordplay. It's just no. It's nothing. <laughs> I, just, I just put the word "gun" in there. That's not how wordplay works. It's savings in it. So, AMW, back on the same page, after, like, they wrestle each other on the first show of the month, in a nice little match, but it's nothing special for for the right to enter the Anarchy in the Asylum match. Storm wins, they tease dissension, Harris teases walking out, but he runs back, he gives James Storm a hug, he shakes hands, they're very happy, they're back together on the same page. And we all went, woo! Wait, you forgot there was dissension in the the main event, though. Was there? Yeah, because they had the run-in, and then... Harris came in to save it, but ended up getting Storm eliminated inadvertently. Oh, yeah. And then Storm was like, what the fuck, man? And they were back off the same page. Yeah, so it lasted about, like, 40 minutes. So the next show, Harris is like, I'm going to get back on track by praising David Young. During the match, sex tried to interfere. Storm runs, out, runs off sex, but Storm gets trapped in the sex locker room and they beat the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah. But Harris does defeat David Young, so he's back on track. It was a decent little match. Yeah, nice little, and like, David Young's a good wrestler, Harris is a good wrestler. I did like when Storm, like, wanders bloody and beaten out of the sex locker room. Harris is like, what are you doing standing there? Go get help! <laughs> he's a concerned friend. It's like, my tag team partner's been beat up. I like how they, they clearly realize that they made Harris look like shit mm. <laughs> during this whole thing by making him a jerk who was hanging out with the bad guys. So they're like, oh, we have to make sure, we're, like, overly make sure, like, this guy's nice. Yeah, he's helping his friend again. So, third show of the month, there is the AMW against Styles and D'Lo match for the right to get in the Asylum Alliance tournament. Yeah, which was awesome, right? <laughs> yeah, a match that seems very good on paper, but it ended up being one of those babyface against babyface matches that just has no heat. Yeah, this is, and this might be like even the worst Styles D'Lo match because mm, listen, we'll talk about tag teams in a second. Even though we're like bouncing around everywhere, but yeah, Styles and D'Lo had a good month other than this AMW match, which was a disappointment. I love Styles and D'Lo together. Styles and D'Lo is like such a wonderful pairing and I'm so upset we didn't get more of it. I, I was thinking during this month, man, Styles and D'Lo together, and D-Lo together might be my favourite thing that Styles has done so far. Really? Better than like the early Jerry Lynn and Loki matches? Yeah, I really love them together. They're very good because they have a match on every one of these shows. <laughs> Maybe because they're like we only know that we're going to get them for like four matches, yeah, so. so we have to run through everything they can do. So we'll pivot to Styles and D'Lo before we come back to whatever the hell we're AMW. So Styles and D'Lo on the first show of the month, they face Skipper and Loki for the right to get into the Asylum and uh, Anarchy in the Asylum match. I will get the name of that match right someday. <laughs> no, it's fine. So D'Lo and Styles win that match. Good little match yeah I thought it was fun as hell and then the following week because they beat Triple X they get a tag title shot against Triple X but this time it's the team of Daniels and Skipper in a match that I even though I actually gave the same rating to now that I look at the star ratings I, mu- I-, I prefer that I thought that Stars and d against uh, Daniels and Skipper match was a really good match mm. I- they all banged they're a very good team I, I think I'm finally coming around on Skipper because like I always liked him but I was always kind of disappointed when it was him instead of Key or Daniels. Mm. And it's actually interesting. There's a note this month that's like, Elix Skipper is being heralded by many in TNA as the company's most improved wrestler. One wrestler who worked with Skipper recently commented, he'll get there, but he's still some time to put in. That said, he's better than most other young Division wrestlers. Yeah. So I'm, I'm starting to see that too, I guess, a bit. Because to me, this month I was like, oh, I'm getting it. I'm understanding it. And it, it's a commentary note that they're really pushing. They're like, oh, Elix Skipper, this guy's really coming into his own. And it's true, they're right. Then third show of the month, as we were mentioning, that you get the AMW against Stiles and D-Lo match, which was a little on the disappointing side. Yeah. And then, honestly, my favorite of the matches this month was CM Punk and Jason Cross against AJ Styles and D-Lo Brown. This is my favorite match this month. And it's only like it's like a six-minute tag match, but it is so good. I think I only went three and a half, but I was like, man, three and three quarters isn't far off either. This shit's really good. Yeah, because D'Lo and Styles are on, like, full, like, form. They've really gelled as a team, and they're hitting a bunch of cool double teams. You get the fun, like, CM Punk AJ interactions, which is, I think, the only time they interact in TNA. I remember, like, this was the the month where I was like, oh, man, Punk, Styles, London, Red, if only there was a good company where I could watch all of these people. Yes, it's the NWA TNA, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, true. So D'Lo and Styles have this great match, and the finish of this match is just sensational. So Styles goes out yeah. to the apron, D'Lo goes out on goes off top. D'Lo hits the low down, Styles hits the springboard four fifty, and they land at the exact same time. It's perfect. It's so it's good. Perfect. It's so perfect. It couldn't be more perfect. Like the timing is just so picture perfect. Do you see them land at the exact same time? It's so good. I love it. If I was gabe at this time and obviously this doesn't go any further on nw tna i would have brought d in and paired him up with styles yeah the the post-match of this segment this segment so upset me (laughs) and well it upset the crowd the crowd were pissed because d and aj looked so good in this match it's the best they've looked in tna so far like they are really firing in all cylinders as this great babyface tag team even the stuff with like aj even looked i think maybe his best here too Mm. He was firing on all cylinders as, like, just him and his interactions with Cross, where he was, like, pelting him with these big shots, and he came in with that big lariat and just turned him inside out. AJ looked so great here, too. Maybe the most, maybe the smoothest I've seen AJ recently, too. Because he kind of had, like, those wobbly matches because he had Gilberty and stuff to work with, but now he's, like, firing on all cylinders again. You want to know why AJ looked so good? Why? They just let him be himself (gasps) and a baby face. Shocks. He's not turning every week. He's not trying to do a heat segment. He's just being AJ Styles doing cool shit. Yeah. So yeah, after this match, Dilo gets on the microphone and he's like, AJ, we're in a, an opening tag match this week and there's only one reason for that. We're being held down by Jeff Jarrett. Which is the, the new running show long theme, which I guess is going to be really fun when Russo starts cutting promos again. So Jarrett's holding all these young guys down and Dilo's like, I've been around wrestling long enough and I know Jeff Jarrett <laughs> is the game triple J
1: triple J, <laughs> the crowd do triple chant triple J, J. J. which is
0: actually a radio station here and I was like man the Australian pandering has gone too far is it a good radio station it's yeah it's <laughs> probably the best radio station deal cuts to this and he's like you and i were a great team but we don't want to be a team do we we want to be single stars we want to be champions <laughs> and the crowd goes boo. yeah because they had this great match and they're such a good team and now they're here they're agreeing to go their separate ways mutually boo. i was so mad i was like oh they've literally just reached their peak as a team because they were good in all the other matches but they were great here And to see them break up immediately after they look their best. It's depressing. It's uh, so mad. I was so mad. Which is why I think the the angle also fell quite flat. Because we do get get a lot of AJ Styles and D'Lo feuding after this, but no more teaming. Devastating. It does make me quite sad. It's very disappointing. (sighs) Which brings us back to AMW. (laughs) So AMW defeated Styles and D'Lo for the right to get into the Asylum Alliance Tag Team Tournament. But James Storm is injured, so he won't be on the last show of the month. Was he actually injured? I don't know, because like they did the angle where he got the, beat, the hell beat out of him by sex, but then he was in the match against Styles and Dealer the next week, but then he was gone again. It was very weird, and it was weird also storyline-wise. So Glenn Gilberti demanded to see Chris Harris, Glenn met with Chris Harris, and he's was like, James Storm's not here, but I got a partner for you. It's Chris Sabin. This also a, f- a fun part of that where it's like, he's like tells the Harris brothers to go get Chris Harris, and they just go drink beer in the parking lot and get beat up. They're like, we can't find him, it's too hard. <laughs> they don't try. I don't care. so Saban substitutes for Storm, and we get the match of Chris Saban and Chris Harris against Jerry Lynn and Just Incredible. Wow, the two genettis teaming up. Uh, how dare you? How <laughs> I said that just to annoy you? How dare you have never said anything that's ever upset me more than that? I think I, I think I have to cancel our podcast for that. Just to end the show. <laughs> I do have this Chris Saban slander. I refuse to accept it. First, you tried to suggest that Chris Saban was the reason that the fans didn't show up. And now you are suggesting that he is the Genetti of the Motor City Machine Guns. And I have never been angrier. As you cackle. You cackle with glee at my pain and my suffering. You, you're Chris Saban slander. You're Chris Saban dragging him through the mud. He's the best wrestler of all time. And you're, you're disrespecting him. I think that's going to be my gimmick throughout this podcast, is that I'm just going to be like unnecessarily critical of Chris Saban. <laughs> this will make me very angry, and please don't do it. <sighs> Especially on this, the big Chris Saban month. Talk, to talk about Chris Saban briefly, I was so surprised that they, they strapped him up immediately. Well, like, Amazing Red started this month with two belts and very quickly had none. Well, let's talk. Well, we didn't really talk about the actual title change. Yeah, there's two other things we didn't get to, which is well, we're on tag teams, so we'll start with tag teams. Okay, we'll fi- we'll finish this up and then they both involve Amazing Reds, so. <laughs> cool so Amazing Red and Jerry Lynn defend the world Team Titles against Christopher Daniels in a handicap match on the very first show of the month if you'd remember there was that match on the last show of last month where they won the right to face Daniels in a handicap match but we have the new Jerry Lynn Liam what's different about the new Jerry Lynn not a lot well it's regular Jerry Lynn except seemingly 100% stupider yeah, and also, like, kind of a heel for two weeks and then back to being a babyface. Which is very traditional TNA. Yes. So Daniels has this handicap match against Lynn and Red, where Lynn snaps, uses a chair, gets disqualified. And we have the first instance in TNA history, Liam, of the belts changing hands on a disqualification. I kind of like it, though. Uh, well, I would ideally not like one man beating two men by disqualification to win tag titles. That's, like, the most TNA finish imaginable. It's kind of funny though, isn't it? It's very TNA. So Daniels won the tag titles in a handicap match by disqualification. Good stuff. I do like they put over like Triple X as these guys who lost the tag titles and then won them straight back. You know, there's, the, there's the, they've done it twice now where they've been stripped of the titles, won them straight back. They lost them to Lina Red, won them straight back. They've never lost other than one match against Lina Red. So there's a team who the titles just always come back to. And then the other, the new Jerry Lynn shooting himself in the foot thing of the month. Amazing Red against Chris Sabin is the match for the X Division title on the May 14th show. And Jerry Lynn demands he be added to the match, and Chris Sabin's like, that's a very bad idea. <laughs> knowing that in fact because it's a triple threat match his sex interference will go down much easier he's like I don't even have to hide it anymore so Jerry Lynn gets himself added to the match, it's Red against Sabin against Jerry Lynn and Chris Sabin, with the help of Triple X at ringside as he joins Sports Entertainment Extreme wins the X Division Championship very good month, the best thing that could ever happen in TNA history Chris Sabin out in his like third match is X Division Champion they clearly uh, saw something in this guy huh they were right even though he did that dive where he nearly died he's been great <laughs> so those are the the last two like notes from the tag and x division two title changes both pretty underwhelming but actually no the red and linen and Sabre match was actually pretty good well just um one more slide x division note is that paul london number one contender which means, hopefully, I get a singles Chris Saban-Paul London match. Yeah, the May 21st show Paul London defeated CM Punk, Jason Cross, and Kid Romeo to become number one contender. It was the return of CM Punk and the return of Paul London. And the return of Kid Romeo. A <laughs> it returns. Many Division people showing back up here. But yeah, good little match as well. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that singles. Actually, that match most notable for seeing CM Punk try to do the exhibition style. Yeah, CM Punk is just completely miscast in this company so far. Yeah, it's not that he couldn't do it, but it's certainly not what he's best at. Yeah, it's like, he also hasn't spoken a word on screen. Well, he's he hasn't been around since September, to be fair. But you know what I mean, like, Sabin was here for two weeks and they're like, here, have a promo. Well, and have a belt. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to London and Saban. Indeed. That's like our guys wrestling each other. Uh, yes. Who will win? The two genetis <laughs> of their respective tag teams, I think you would suggest. Sure i was like who the fuck is paul london in a tag team oh generica obviously. yes of course so that brings us all the way back to chris saban and chris harris against jerry lynn and just incredible my biggest issue with this match is on commentary they were putting over over and over again how harris and Sabin were this great team and like no they were boring as shit i guess their idea was like <laughs> they did a couple tag moves it's like how did they think of them <laughs> they only just met and like they had complete control of the match they were like dominating the match but the match was really boring <laughs> Yeah, but they were a good tag team because they were winning. This match did stink, though. Yeah, it was just boring. They just did nothing, and then Harris and Saban won. I didn't like the other team, either. Well, they weren't meant to, I suppose. You weren't meant to like Credible and Lynn because they immediately turned on each other after the match. Ah, oh, the lamest pull-apart brawl I think I've ever seen in my life. I, don't know, I like that angle. I thought it was a nice little angle. Yeah, but it's just Incredible and Cherry, Lynn. You don't know their history. They're longtime rivals. Yeah, but it's just incredible, and Jerry Lee. And they were mentioning that, like, this is the first time they've teamed, two guys who had, like, feuds over the ECW title, and now they're teaming together, and obviously the tensions rose back up to the surface, and they beat the hell out of each other. Yeah, but it's just incredible. Yeah. You really hate just incredible. <laughs> he's just... Yeah, he's. Uh, uh, yeah, I think I... I don't know. He's just... I don't like him. I just don't like... It, it's not even I don't like him, it's... I couldn't possibly care about him. Well, see, the, like the, I, th- I think they have a good little program together. We'll see if they win the over. All right. Maybe they'll have some good matches, and I'll be like, okay. I'm and in. now the new Jerry Lynn is gone. We're back to regular Jerry Lynn. Is that why he does the Cradle-like Tombstone? Yeah, it's a play on, it's the reverse of Jerry Lynn. Ah, that's cool. Because they're rivals. I didn't know that. ECW isn't a real company. And, and the very last thing we have to talk about is the Hard 10. Yes, the thing I'm most excited to talk about. Let's talk about Mike Sanders' Hard 10. Yeah, we got two Hard 10 matches this month. We get Mike Sanders facing Brian Lee, or the under-faker, as he calls him. <laughs> yes, good Brian be. Lee played uh, a fake Undertaker in WWE at one stage. So I, I don't much care for the Hard 10 matches. They're just weapon shots and a table bump. Uh, we had one that we really disagreed on. Yeah, so we get the Sanders and Lee match where they go back and forth, back and forth, where Lee eventually has a 8-5 lead through a series of weapon yeah. shots, but then Sanders dumps him through a table. Actually, no, Brian Lee dumps himself through a table, and Sanders wins. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good little story, I thought. Yeah, they make it very clear that if you put yourself through a table, your opponent still gets the five points, and Sanders got the five points and wins! I like that Lee had the advantage most of the time, and Sanders kind of, like, just wormed his way into the win. Mm. And then the other Hard 10 match of the month was New Jack against Slash. I really enjoyed this. So yeah, they, they weapon, weapon shot, weapon shot, weapon shot, weapon shot, they went back and forth back and forth, back and forth, until they were 13-13. <laughs> if you remember, they have to win by two straight points, and eventually New Jack put Slash to the table. One. Yeah. I really loved the exchange, because it was like a forearm exchange, but with weapon shots. Yeah. And I was like, these rules. Building up the points. Building up the points. Yeah, that's the Hard 10. There's not much more to say about it. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a plunder matches but at least they have like a reason now for having them and it is the legacy of the Dup Cup because it's a very scaled back version of the Dup Cup's point scoring or mm-hmm. right, covered most of it but let's very quickly go show by show and get, get home it's time to talk about Eric Watts. Oh, we didn't this do Watts. This is the song that we do when we talk about Eric Watts. So Eric Watts basically has one story through this month. He is teasing the debut of the new authority figure, who, who he is... That's not the one story I care about. Oh, Well, yeah, there's the one at the end as well, I guess. Who he is referring to as the Eric from WCW. <laughs> it's so stupid and I love it so much. Every time he says Eric from WCW, I roll my eyes. And he's like, you know, the Eric from WCW. And I'm like, what is the payoff here? Because it's not Eric Bischoff. And like, yeah, the the whole thing is Eric Bischoff is current Raw General Manager. He's on W television at the moment. <laughs> and Everyone's like, you know, he's contracted to another company, right? Yeah, Goldie says that. And, and, and Watts is like, don't you worry, Eric from WCW is showing up. <laughs> and then he's like, he's like, you know, he just completely changes the subject on it. But that's later on. The the reason they're teasing this is because they want to bring in Bill Watts. Oh, you know, Eric. Yeah, they want to bring in Eric's dad to be, like, the new director of authority, but it never worked out. Uh. <laughs> Why is his name Eric? Who knows? E- Eric Watts, they're, they're, his, his brain works in mysterious ways. <laughs> it sure does. I don't remember where this goes, but I assume it's Eric Watts just talking about himself, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what my guess was. So, yeah, he does multiple of those promos through the, the month where he's like, Eric's from WCW, Eric's from WCW. Then... Goldilocks. He seduces it. He does, and it works. It did. He's like Glengalberti for women. He's like she's she's smitten. So yeah, Goldilocks is doing an interview with somebody I don't even remember, and when the, the interview is over, Eric Watts just walks up and like whispers in his ears, basically like, "You want some of this?" And she's like, "Yeah." This was like the third time uh, because they had already had the interview together. Mm-hmm. Where it was insinuated that he was like, oh, come back. And then we find out in the second um, Eric from WCW angle that she did, in fact, go back and <laughs> because she left her shoes at his place. Ah, uh, yes. Which he gallantly brought back. In the first episode during the watch long, I was very like you can hear me being like fully taken aback by the fact i was like she was into it (laughs) because i I just expected this to be like another you know aj styles creeping on goldilocks promo doesn't go anywhere but i was like oh she was actually she was vibing with it and then as we found out she did vibe with it uh yeah he gives back the shoes later on and then we get this (laughs) real weird one (laughs) backstage with them where they cut back and he's just they're just macking on each other Mm. And then they, for some reason, this is like, is this the first iteration of we're going to ignore the camera filming us? Or they just don't care. Yeah. Well, no, because Gotti was talking about how, like, she doesn't want to go, like, public because it's embarrassing to be with a wrestler. Yeah, and she's like, I don't want to be with you. I'm worried about being with you. And he's like, why? It's like, because you're a wrestler. And he's like, oh, don't you worry about that. He's also like, she's like, you're also insane. (laughs) Like, you're, you're... fully crazy. Later in the show, Watts does this weird-ass promo for, like, Raven and Gilberti. (laughs) Yeah, so then there's this other point, right, where, seemingly, Watts has given her the dick so good that she needs to sit down for a while, because he takes her job. So he's given, like, the big hype (laughs) pitch, he's talking about the main event, Gilbertia, Raven, how it's gonna be a big match, and then it just cut to Raven sitting next to him, He's like, what the fuck is this dude doing? And he sits down next to Raven, and Raven echoes my thoughts entirely of, like, listen... (laughs) I should rip your skull off and piss in it, but I enjoy you. <laughs> <laughs> I find you funny. <laughs> and then Watts gets all serious, and they have a big serious back and forth about it. Mm. So, I, again, I obviously love this. This has been, a, this is a tremendous storyline. The Clearly, the big will they, won't they, with Goldie and Eric Watts. The, the, it's no will they, won't they, they did! Multiple times throughout but the month! Goldie is still on the fence, Liam, he's a wrestler. Yeah. The problem is, will they... Make it official. Mm. But, you know, Goldie banging Eric Watts wasn't the biggest mistake of her month. No, that was the segment that aired on nw pay-per-view number 46. Maybe the worst thing I've ever seen. It's funny. Both the PW Torch and Wrestling Observers are like, this segment with Goldilocks is one of the worst segments that has aired on television in as long as we can remember. <laughs> I knew it was bad as soon as Don West pitched it by saying, oh, for those who are a fan of Jackass or The Man Show, and I was like, no... No, <laughs> this can't be good. <laughs> so they cut to this Goldilocks video. And Goldilocks is in a, a in the city. She's outside the store. and She's like, yo, my phone's broken. So I need to go get a new phone. And you're like, okay. Okay, wh- where's this going, Goldilocks? I thought for a second she was like an extra on a jackass kit or something. And that's where this was going. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. So Goldilocks goes into the store where there is a person there. Just like, hey, how can I help you? And Goldilocks improving in the the worst improv I've ever seen in my life. It's it's so bad. Uh, uh, <laughs> was this all a work? I, I don't know. I have no idea. Because that guy didn't look like a real guy who would... Because like, he would call for cops. <laughs> He'd be like, what the fuck is happening? This woman's insane. It was meant to be filmed like candid camera style, but like the camera angle moved multiple times. So also this, th- this thoroughly explains why she's with Eric. <laughs> She's also bad shit. So, yeah, she's standing there talking to the, the, the person in the shop, being like, hey, my phone's broken. Can you fix it? It's broken. See, it's broken. I push the buttons and nothing happens. It's broken. Then he hand, she hands the phone to him. Um, he looks at it. She takes it back and is like, you know, I need the phone to make phone calls and whatnot. That's what phones do. They make phone calls. <laughs> and He's like, yeah, I know what phones do. I work in a phone store. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I'm double parked outside, to which he responds that's illegal. Great <laughs> line, and she's like, "I know, thank you very much." Uh, and then he's, she's like, "Can can you help me? Can you fix my phone?" And he responds, "No." <laughs> and then she begins to go like ahead of her time. To be fair, this is two thousand three, but she has a full Karen meltdown right there in the store. And this guy's like what is happening so she starts freaking out she starts shouting at him she's like i just need to make a call i need to use my phone and she starts shouting at him and she starts trashing the store and she starts breaking things and she starts putting on her giant fur coat and i don't know why this aired on the wrestling show it's it's really like it, this felt like an eric watts promo in how completely chaotic it was it's like it's just completely unhinged like everything about it, from the way it was shot, the way it was performed. And it went for like five minutes. Three and a half. Because I tried to clip the whole thing for oh. Twitter and then I realized it's way too long to clip the whole thing for Twitter. We may have to we may have to like post it in like just a two a twofer or something because it needs to be seen. It is just the strangest. Like I have no idea why this was on the wrestling actually I do. Goldilocks pitched it. In. Backstage news. Goldilocks came up with the idea for her cell phone show vignette, which numerous wrestlers and fans have ranked among the worst segments in wrestling history. Including two people who currently are hosting a podcast. (laughs) At least one TNA source believes the vignette was either Goldilocks' TNA audition tape, or something like it, as the person had actually watched a a similar tape a few months ago. Listen, they went... Again, we talk about TNA people arguing in public about things. They did it again about this segment. (laughs) Goldilocks actually defended the segment during an appearance on The Voice of Wrestling. Different Voice of Wrestling. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait, what, what, what? Wait a minute. <laughs> yes, us. She appeared here. Goldilocks, please come on the podcast and talk about this segment. Bob Ryder, TNA's Head of Talent Relations, was on the show prior to Goldie, and he said he didn't think the segment served any purpose. When Goldie joined the show, she respectfully disagreed with Ryder's take on the segment, saying she f- she felt the only problems were that it wasn't set up well and that it lasted too long. Well, that, that is correct. <laughs> wrestlers weren't surprised to hear that Goldie had come up with the idea. The big question among the wrestlers were which member of management approved it and why. I mean, that's a, that's a Rousseau, like dream right there because like this aired in may 2003 only two months after punked has started on ntv and it does feel like a very like horrible vince russo brained version of a Punked skit i hated it i I truly like this i I really that i i really hated it because i hate like real real time cringe prank show things like i hate them i hate them so much and this was like the worst one I've ever seen of them. But even like Don West, as you said, when he pitched it, he was like, "It's like Mad TV or Jackass." It's like, no, it's nothing like those things. Excuse me, he said, "The Man Show." Please don't, don't uh, bury Mad TV with the the affiliation. And I'm like, what, 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 what are you doing? Why did you do this? Why does it exist? Why was it on this wrestling show? And like, think about this: this wasn't live. <laughs> this was pre-taped and pre-produced, and people saw it and watched it. And still put it on the wrestling show. No one thought to trim it <laughs> entirely. Entirely trim it. Cut it all together, perhaps. Oh well, yes, but like even if you were like dead, like Goldie has something that she's gonna sue you over if you don't play this thing. Like you couldn't cut it down. But if you watch it, it is cut down. Imagine though, I'll oh, release the Goldie cut. The full thing, which is probably like because it, it's edited down to like three and a half. There's some like hard cuts. It's probably like the full thing might be like five, six, seven minutes. Yeah, we have to post this in some manner. People need to see this. Yeah, I posted it to my, I posted, posted, like a cut down version to my Twitter yesterday. Or Retweeted it. Take and a look at it just... because it's it's unhinged. It's just completely unhinged. It's insane. It's it's terrifying. Oh dear, deary me. And like, like, and like, Goldie's a, a fave of the show. Mm-hmm. So please, like, <laughs> fix your shit. This is what this is what the this is this is what that Eric Watchtick does. <laughs> Transfers the crazy. Clearly passes the the, the deranged Eric Watts lore. Oh, just. I feel ill thinking about it. It's it's so strange. As I said, why did the people put it on the television show? You saw it. You looked at it. Why? She must have had, like, something in her contract. She's like, one year in, I need to have one segment that I can put on TV. Oh, yeah, it ended with this, like, girl power rock song that Goldie performs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which played over the second half of it. And actually, I, I couldn't listen close enough to determine this. But I'm pretty sure the instrumental of that versus Goldie song is the AMW theme. Not the current one, the one that they would more famously have. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, this is on n w r t and a pay view number 46, May 21st. It's worth seeing in its entirety just to just to take it all in. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, let's go show by show as we take the show home. I don't think there's much else to cover. But May seventh, two thousand three, NWA TNA baby number forty-four from the asylum, eleven hundred there, four hundred fifty-five hundred paid. My only note, I think, from this show, which is the show we did for the watch along. By the way, it's at tnhad.com right now. If you'd like to hear our full thoughts on the show, is. Mike Taney and Don West's intergender wrestling debate. Mike Taney was like, Oh, Tracy has no place in this gauntlet. She doesn't deserve to be here. And Don's like, You know what? Maybe she does. But then when she got her ass kicked in the gauntlet, Don was like, No, no, she doesn't. <laughs> yeah. They're like, Oh, yeah. Don's like, Maybe, yeah, come on. You know, there's women in the PGA now. <laughs> and then she loses. And Don's like, Well, I guess that proves the point. Women shouldn't be in this match. And that now imagine that exact uh, point of view for the rest of the month. Because they do the exact same thing during the tag, they just don't have the argument about it. They do have, I mean, no, sorry, there's no argument because they're both on the same side of women shouldn't be in the match. Listen, based on the way Kid Cash beat up Trinity, maybe they're right. <laughs> to be fair, within the universe of TNA, they've already set up how unrealistic apparently it is for a woman to ever win because she got real beat up and then she lost in the match where he came in injured. So if you've ever seen any intergender wrestling debate on Twitter, it was basically that on commentary. <laughs> and then <laughs> we're the side where, like, women shouldn't compete against men won. David Young did a sweet pop-up cutter in whatever match he had on the second show. Oh, no, that's the, the second show. I, again, I don't have notes for our watch-along show. It's very upsetting. David Young does a lot of cool shit. David Young, good wrestler. If only he had charisma. And didn't whine. Uh, NWA TNA paper number 45, May 13th, from the TNA Asylum. 800 people only there, heavily papered. There's a lot of like backstage notes here. <laughs> yeah, let's go. That we didn't cover. Let's start with Scott Demore wasn't there. He was in uh, World Wrestling All-Stars Tour. So the person they got to fill in for the agent role was Ray Lloyd, <laughs> better known as Glacier. AEW star. Was Glacier in AEW? Yeah, he did the Battle Royal, the Casino Battle Royal. Did he? Yeah. I don't remember that at all. It may have been the all all out, the all-in one. So he he might have been proto- AEW. Ah, Glacier. Very happy to see him get some work here in TNA. I don't think he ever appeared on screen. Nope, Double double or Nothing. I don't remember Glacier doing that at all. I don't. (laughs) Double or Nothing 2019, apparently. How do I not remember the Glacier AEW appearance? (laughs) Yeah, because he was on, um... Remember when they were doing like the Road 2 style stuff where they were announcing people? Mm. Yeah, Glacier was one of them. It's very upsetting that I don't remember this. <laughs> Wait, can I read you this Reddit post? Sure, I have to go watch this Glacier moment after we finish recording. should we watch it together. Glacier? Really? <laughs> there goes AEW not getting has-beens. Oh god. People suck. <laughs> people are so boring. Like You probably saw people do the same thing when the Demon showed up in the Collier Shock gauntlet of Africa. It's like, no, it's rules, it's the Demon. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. That's really funny to be like that they announced that Glacier's going to be a battle royal participant and they're like oh there we go I guess you know <laughs> there goes the using not using has-been telling. AEW over. Cancelled before it begins. Glacier's here. Oh Reddit. That was on the official AEW Reddit by the way. <laughs> How dare they leave that there. They should take it down. I don't want any Glacier disrespect. <sighs> so the May 14th show consisted mostly of Vince Russo's material as Jeff Jarrett did far less editing than he had in recent reads. Shock of all shocks that um only 800 people showed up then. The word in the locker room is that Jared <laughs> added a few more segments involving disco, for reasons beyond comprehension. See, I told you Jeff's into this shit. That's why he's so irredeemable. It's like, I want him to be fighting it, but he clearly loves it. He's, it's the Judas in his mind. <laughs> Judas in his workplace. That's true too, we'll get to that in a second. And may have pulled Mike Barton from the show he was scheduled to do a run-in during Gilbert- and Saturn. Barton was at the show, but he did not appear on camera. There you go, Gary. You should be fully anti-Jeff. He, he got rid of your guy. Yeah, Mike Barton. I want more Mike Barton shoot fights. No, nope, you don't get him anymore. The only one ruled. We, we could have got the Perry Saturn rematch. Yeah, should have done like four of them. should have done a Perry Saturn-Mike Barton fight pit. Oh, shit. Uh, Sabu was scheduled to appear on this show in some capacity, but he told the office that his flight was delayed and then he couldn't get there. His wife was there, but Sabu wasn't. Huh. It was not the first show he missed. I think he missed the show the next, month, or next week as well. Um, I think that might be the last we see review for a while. Uh, it's TNA, he'll probably just show up randomly. Like, Sean Waltman quit TNA in the most contentious of circumstances and was meant to show up again this month, and then no showed again. Well, I know he comes back because he has the Monsters Bowl match that rules, so eventually he'll be back. I think he's back next month. Oh, Waltman. nice. The crowd on uh, the May 15th show was said to be around 800, the lowest in months, and paid was said to be non-existent sick. The past two weeks there has been nothing even announced for the next week's show either on the pay-per-view or the local Saturday TV show which is Explosion because nothing had been planned a week out. As things were done this week and last after the show on Wednesday night Russo and Gilberti primarily would spend the next day writing the show then send it to Jarrett and Jarrett would wait until the following week to make changes which apparently pissed off Vince Russo. <laughs> Good. So they submit the show on Thursday, and Jarrett wouldn't offer feedback until Tuesday, so they couldn't get mad that Jarrett was changing all their ideas. They can get mad, but they couldn't stop it. Mm. And the, again, we've had the story like a million times, but a lot of talk regarding Jarrett and Raven. The big story after the show almost every week is Raven and Russo on one side and Jarrett on the other trying to convince Dixie Carter, the daughter of the owner, that their ideas are better and trying to rally as many people behind their respective sides in talking to her. Hmm. So they're constantly arguing, they're constantly bickering, there's constant attempts at betrayal, there's constant backstabbing, they're constantly politically maneuvering, maneuvering themselves into positions where they can have maximum power. I mean, this is what you get, Jeff. <laughs> Why are you enabling this? Yeah, this is what you get. You, if your dad was the only guy here, wouldn't be a problem. Yeah. You'd have your own set of problems, but it probably wouldn't be with knives in each other's backs. Your life would probably go much smoother were it not for your insistence on hiring this man who constantly tries to betray you. <laughs> You know what, I really hope it comes out that Vince Russo is in fact booking NXT 2.0. It seems like it is, right? Because I (laughs) would find it insanely funny that Vince Russo politicked Triple H out of NXT. Oh, God. Based on what we've read here in 2002-2003 TNA, it's not beyond the realms of possible. And it makes the, the obvious thing that's definitely happening, the Jeff Jarrett Triple H super promotion, that more... Sweet, because it'll be an anti-Vince Russo promotion. (laughs) The enemies of Vince Russo have (laughs) come together to form their own wonder promotion. Yeah. NX Global Force. Global T. Next Force. Ed Ferraro was backstage at the show. He was telling everybody goodbye as he was moving from Nashville to Chicago. He had moved his family to Nashville at the start of the company, but then he quit. Then he tried to get his job back. They said no, so he's moving back to Chicago. Good. Then he'll go to... (laughs) fucking Florida and teach the next generation of NXT right oh yeah that oh it's Ed Ferrara we got it all wrong it's not Russo it's Ed oh no very cool spot that I will always pop for every time somebody does it in the Saban Red and Lynn match on this show where Red does a springboard and Saban catches him Mm. in a suplex every single time I'll be like oh yes yes Don made a really good point in one of these matches where he said that Saban looks like the prototypical pro wrestler and it's like yeah not Randy Orton as WWE always tries to tell us Chris Saban yeah because, like, let's be real, the idealized version of a pro wrestler should have long mm, hair. And do flips. First and foremost. Yeah. It's ideal. The Jared interview on the show, the one where he compared Disco Dawson and Undertaker, <laughs> he was like, so soft-spoken, and they had like this inspirational music running under it. Now, why do people fucking hate him? <laughs> I'm talking in this Jeff Jarrett voice. I'm not doing my full voice. I'm doing this like softer voice that yeah, makes me yeah. feel like hey, hey guys. more yeah. relatable and Still nice. So we talk about that, yeah. Yeah, The Undertaker, you know. While they're like... Duh, 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 music played underneath <laughs> it. <laughs> it's the fucking... It's not the Ashes music. The NFL or. music. Yeah. I was thinking of the... What's the cricket one? I don't know. It's a big cricket one that that is very similar as well. So, yeah, Jeff Jarrett, nice guy. Everybody loves him. <laughs> except the fans and the locker room and everyone backstage and his friend Vince Russo <laughs> and his dad I did enjoy uh the triple x against styles and D-Lo match in the main event you got a, a tasty bit of AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels in that match yeah, yeah. just a, there's so many like little bits and pieces of these ring of honor guys interacting you're like oh I know what you can do and you know what they're <laughs> going to do in TNA never mind your ring of honor get your ring of honor out of here <laughs> sorry guys I keep I keep like thinking <laughs> just like oh imagine if they had like 30 minute main events or something. No, 30 minute main events are bad as illustrated by the best match on these shows being six minutes long. Hmm, yeah, that's a fair point. But yeah, you get a little bit, a little, little taste of Styles and Daniels in the ring together. I know, I know what you guys are capable of. You know what you're going to do. Uh, NWATNA paper number 46, May 21st, 2003 from the Asylum, 1150, again, heavily papered. They had this Star Wars intro. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. Where it's like they introduce us to the four stables that are feuding and then the, the Star Wars text crawl goes across the screen. It's like, <laughs> the National Wrestling Alliance has sanctioned a TNA for a, nearly a year now, but TNA has descended into gang warfare. i had never seen gang for warfare used in a wrestling context beyond like the WWF before. Yeah, they actually used the words gang warfare. You know, one of those notoriously loved things that WWF has done. They <laughs> definitely need to be brought back here in the NWA TNA. And again, I just feel like, you know, the new church is so outnumbered here. That's the reason they just disappear and give up. James Mitchell's like, ugh, I'm not I'm not fighting this. I'm not showing up this month. Yeah, I'm really, like, wondering what happened there. Yeah, they go through the history of all of these stables and their feuding as Mike Diney narrates this Star Wars intro- introduction. <sighs> Every show has to have a five-minute video intro. Uh, uh, here's a quick, some notes from this one that I had. Theme updates, because I know everyone desperately cares. Paul London using the Kid Cash theme that I love Mm -hmm. so much, which suits him because he is a weird cat. And Kid Romeo using the Tony Marmaluk slash Main Event Mafia theme. Slash Knock Off Godfather's song. Yes. It perked my ears up and I was like, oh, Tony Marmaluk's back. You got Kid Romeo (laughs) returning. An even bigger return. Uh, Paul London hitting just a beautiful shooting star. Oh yeah, they replayed it as well. I'm like, oh, that's what a shooting star should look like. Yeah. I've always loved the shooting stars where they like, tap the side of their knees as they uh, go it's like oh like if you can't do the evan Bourne, where you literally turn yourself into a star while you do it this is the way you gotta yeah. do it that big tap of the knees while you go yeah, it's very nice it's very very nice uh, somebody has got to teach jerry borash what the words raiding and defending mean <laughs> yeah oh thank you i thought the exact same thing it was in the six man and i was like he's not defending yeah, it. it was not it wasn't even a six man it was a three on two handicap match yeah, I was like, he's not defending, oh, and I was waiting for Mike Tanay to fucking get mad at him again. But No, he did. He was like, very clearly, he didn't like say, shut up, JB, but he's like, the belts are not on the line in this three-on-two handicap match. It didn't happen right after he said it like it did last time, so I didn't pick up on it. Yeah, I made no, because Mike Tanay was like, no, ra- that's not raiding and defending. There is no defending going on. I hope, like, JB just never fixes it. And just doesn't keep saying rating and defending like amazing red so good in this match by the way so good liam has replaced the word weird with bad in their show notes which you'll never see unless you go well actually you, know, you will never see because the show notes will only go up with the version of bad but when you read goldilocks does a bad jackass punk mad tv segment know that that originally said weird but liam changed it and you can see bad if you go to teenageadd.com and read our show notes with your one dollar <laughs> patreon subscription Yes, amazing, red, great, great. The crowd live and die by him in these heat segments. He's good, good wrestler. During the Eric Watts promo on this on the show, the crowd very loudly chanting Watts. I don't understand it because these people have taste, much like myself. Do, nah. <laughs> He's so great, he can like. I'm not. It's not even a bit <laughs> like. He's legitimately, the last two months has been great. He's like, every time he's on the screen, I'm like, thank God. Because it's not some Glenn Gilberty boring shit. It's not some fucking lame-ass backstage thing. It's just Eric Watts being a complete weirdo, and I know it's going to make me smile. Oh, Eric Watts. <laughs> just admit you like it. And NWATNA paper number 47, last show of the month. I actually don't think I have any notes that we haven't already discussed. Hmm. Road Dog's back, unfortunately. There's an interesting note from PW Torch. Feeling among fans is that when the local newspaper article called Jarrett the minority owner, people saw him surviving everything and winning in a very different light. <laughs> people didn't know? Maybe, like, they were willing to suspend their disbelief a little until they read, like, in the paper. It's like, wait a minute. He owns it? <laughs> He's do And, like, yeah. th- there was no result as egregious as the Raven one, to be fair. Like, the, the Raven one, which he probably should have lost to Raven. And people were really mad that he didn't. That one didn't annoy me that much. I'm sure there will be more matches where I'm like, why the fuck didn't Jeff Jarrett lose as we go further on in teenage history? But that one didn't really anger me. And that's me, Liam. Yeah. What might be our longest episode yet. We'll see you in editing. Oh, I have one more point of news that I want to bring in, and it suits the fact that we may hit three hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Garrett, I have a, I have a, um, a big question Shoot. for you. How do you feel about legendary... TNA professional wrestling couple, Velvet Sky and Bully Ray breaking up. Well, I was always upset, of course, that the Chris Sabin and Velvet Sky couple. She, broke up. That he stole it from Chris Saban. So it, it was never a couple I supported. And so naturally, I'm very pleased that they've broken up. I didn't even know they'd broken up. Yes, this, uh, this has come out today. Uh, would, you, would you like me to read the tweet that Velvet Sky. Sure. Had- I have to search Velvet Sky as I do not follow she her. She blocked me on Twitter. <laughs> At Velvelholler. So this tweet came out November 12th. Oh, so this happened over a week ago? No, no, no. I, well, she was definitely down in the dumps mm. <laughs> over a week ago. <laughs> no, I'm just... <laughs> Sorry, as I was scrolling, I was like, oh, Velvet Sky retweeting wrestling porn accounts. Find you someone who gives you both best friend and wifey vibes. That shit's so rare, so if you find it, keep it. November 12th. She's clearly upset that she left save and go. Chris Saban got married recently, too, so maybe she saw it. It's like, no! <laughs> Congratulations to Chris yeah. Saban. Uh, at 18 hours ago. At Bully Ray 5150. <laughs> and I have decided to part ways amicably. There's no animosity and we'll, we will always be cool, and we wish each other well in life. This will be the only public comment we make on the matter. Well, they're moving on. <laughs> so, and everyone in the response is just people hitting her up. Listen, if we ever break up as podcast co-hosts, I'm going to send that exact same tweet. <laughs> <laughs> And then we'll do a bunch of shoot interviews. Yeah, just shooting on each other. But that is TNA Wrestling from the month of May 2003. I'm sure we'll cover the Bully Ray breakup again when we get to it in 2021. When he steals Velvet Sky from Chris Saban. Oh, but that is May 2003. As mentioned, in two weeks we will be off because Liam will be performing on stage like the true actor that he is. Wow. I was going to say, I was really hoping to drag this out so that I could say we hit 700 followers as we were recording. But we were three off in the uh, end. Yeah, well, maybe by the time it goes up, it'll be seven hundred, and that'll be fine. I, sh- I assume it will, considering we gain one like every fifteen minutes. <laughs> uh, that D'Lo Brown, AJ Styles in sync frog splash—good for our brand. <laughs> People really like to see wrestling moves being done at the same time. But yes, two weeks, we will not have an episode. It shouldn't affect the Patreon content, other than the fact we won't have a watch-along either, of course, but the Rinkak King stuff should continue as normal. As, as mentioned, we'll have something in the podcast feed. At the very least, we'll give you the first episode of Monday War Games and maybe something else if I can coordinate that and actually do it and not be lazy. So... What is it? Well, I don't <laughs> want to say what it is, unless... <laughs> even yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> I'll tell you after we finished recording. What if I disagree with it and think it's a terrible branding choice? Well, you're the one performing on stage. You will never listen to it. Damn. What if I record my performance? Oh yeah, put it on the Patreon. At $30 a month. To see Liam's acting. Yeah. Unless you're like in a studio or something, then you can watch it for free. So we will be back in a month with the June 2003 episode. The TNA one year anniversary episode as well. So that should be a fun one. Oh, it's the one-year anniversary of our podcast. Well, it's the six-month anniversary of our podcast, but sure. Wow, it's the one-year anniversary of our podcast. So you can look forward to that in the middle of December. Uh, go to our Patreon, where you can see the watch-along of NWAT and A P V number 44. You can check out our show notes. So you can check out our uh, spreadsheet and star ratings. Rinka King series is going strong. Pokemon battles. Yeah. <laughs> yes indeed <laughs> which we will definitely do in the month of december also our full gear review is up there as well so all that fun stuff is there for you to enjoy follow us on twitter at tna history pod as they mentioned nearly 700 followers which is pretty cool uh subscribe to us on youtube by the way isn't that crazy We've- Big blown up. Yeah, we're getting there. Subscribe to us on YouTube as well, by the way. We started the YouTube channel in the time between the two episodes where every day there's there's yes. clips. We. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is a joint effort, Liam. It's always us, no matter whether it's me or you that does it. Yep. I'm banned from participating on it. I accidentally set it up under my personal YouTube, so yes, you are. <laughs> Even though I would like to. I have to go through manually to check for comments. It's disgusting. There's only been one, so. <laughs> I know, and I found it <laughs> Manually. But if you would like to subscribe, search, you've got to keep hitting me on YouTube, where there will be daily clips of the show. Yes, follow us on Twitter at Pod. Follow me on Twitter at Garrett Kidney. Follow Leo on Twitter at TheGleetMooder. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in a month. Or never. (gasps) Or sooner on Patreon, teenagechad.com.
1: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things
0: running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.